welcome to Decomposing Worm, a worm analysis podcast. That's Clarence. He's the first-time reader and literary expert. And that was Matthias. He's read the story before. In this 12-episode series, we're using critical theory to explore the superhero web serial worm from a broader perspective, covering worm in six 300,000-ish word chunks. Yes, and today is part one of book two, Overview. So here we're going to close read arcs 9 through 14, um, and it's it'll be more of like a plot-based examination of the story in, in that kind of like linear chrono- chronological fashion, um, and we'll be pulling recurring or emerging themes um, as we go along. Um, right, just like uh, in our first overview episode, mm-hmm. except hopefully uh, today a little bit more uh, directed and just overall more experienced. We learned... <laughs> how to be better. Yes. So if you haven't read arcs 9 through 14 yet, uh, please do. This is a full spoilers discussion. And uh, we're both going to be spoiling a lot and uh, referencing a lot of things that's probably very confusing if you haven't read Worm or haven't read Worm in a very, very long time. Mm. Um, uh, it, it, as well, uh, I'd also recommend maybe listening to We've Got Worm um, before or after or during or, or something related to this. In as Yeah, in tandem, because it's going to help... Uh, analyze this work um i did not have time to listen to all of (laughs) we've got worm for these arcs i stopped at um arc 11 part one so i've Mm -hmm. missed some discussion well i mean i have listened to it but it was a long time ago so yeah yeah. uh pardon me if i repeat something that they say in those parts because i forgot (laughs) um but okay, let's get into it um so what is what what do you feel about um this particular book of Worm, Clarence? Um, I really, really liked this one, like, a lot. Like, I, re- I mean, I did, like, the first the first eight arcs, but this, like, the, the kind of development of, like, the writing style and, like, ability that, and, and the kind of, like, versatility, I guess, especially with the interludes, like, it, it, it really is, like, developing really well and is, is showcased here. Um, plus, I just, Absolutely. it was just, like, a really fascinating sort of um, interaction and, and kind of like dynamic setup. Yeah. Um, just, just for, for context, for those who haven't read a worm in a very long time, um, arc nine is the wards interlude, uh, right after Leviathan and 14 is Mm -hmm. when the slaughterhouse nine leave Brockton Bay. Um, so just for plot context, uh, on interludes, uh, this, had so many, so many more. So many. Uh, arcs one through eight had ten interludes, right? There's two arcs that have two. Mm-hmm. Um, and this had, uh, I'll, I'll let you all guess for a second. Just, just, just guess how many interludes arcs nine through 14 had. 22. <laughs> had 22 <laughs> interludes. Um, and if you guys remember how much we talked about interludes in the first, uh, eight arcs, we, we spent a lot of time on them. And so, uh, this time we actually had to basically skim over a couple, but uh, yeah. So, which is so sad because like they, each mm-hmm. of them have such like, they contribute so much. Like they put together pieces of the, the, you know, whole, um, context that we don't really get from a first person narrative. And, uh. Yeah. It, and it's really, uh, it's really interesting because there's, t- two interlude arcs in this basically mm-hmm. i mean one is like not set apart uh, arc 11 half of it is the slaughterhouse nine um like s- selection canada yeah. selection interlude that was, that's, that's oh. eight right oh. yeah 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 uh and then of course arc nine is the wards uh interlude arc so 
there's, there's it's interesting that this section has these two pretty large spans of time mm-hmm. that Taylor is not really a part of. Yeah. And it's also interesting too because like we do we get that like really like a uh, close look especially at the wards at the beginning. Um mm-hmm. but then for like a majority of the rest of we're kind of I it's not quite as like um like fully comprehensive I think of of like in the first eight arcs uh Taylor really like, kind of like knew a lot of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with this one, she's much more like she has like her own thing that she's kind of doing. So we're, we mm-hmm. don't really have as, we don't really keep tabs as, as much on some people that it, I, I think that's also kind of interesting. That's, that's a good point that, um, I mean, particularly in the Slaughterhouse Nine interludes, mm-hmm. um, we like the the scope really starts expanding not just like in the world right i mean we do definitely we do definitely get those where we expand out into the world you know we, mm-hmm. we get some looks at cauldron and stuff um but just like in the city itself right i mean we have a whole other um like with uh rachel's interlude that's a whole different section with uh theo's interlude yeah. like, we, we set up this like other long quest arc that it had, does not touch any other character in here um yeah yeah the city expands Ah, a lot more yeah um anything else we should say before we actually get into the the beat by beat summary or the Um, key moment by key moment summary i guess i should say i don't know i think i think we're ready all right ready to proceed um so as usual it's basically impossible to stop and mention every (laughs) important beat of uh the story every every through line um so we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to consolidate them into particular moments, right? So um, we're not going to talk uh, about every single character the first time they show up. We'll try to focus on the most important moments. That way uh, we can just discuss them as a whole without getting slowed down with every single development. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we skip some stuff, um, there's a small chance we forgot it. But also this podcast is, I, I already know, it's going to be super super long. Yeah. So... There's just a lot we have to cut, so oh, yes. uh, please don't be too mad at us for uh, not talking about everything. And if there's something that you wished we'd cover, maybe go ahead and ask it in a in a in a question for us, and, and we'll discuss it there. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So we start with Arc Nine Sentinel, uh, which is the Ward Interlude Arc. So uh, we open up with Weld uh, getting into the city. Uh, he's, uh, we learn that he's just a good old metal boy. He's just trying his best. He yeah. seems like a pretty decent guy. Um, and he's the new leader of the wards. He's really, um, when he, I mean, we can't, we see him first right in the Endbringer, right? Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the one that like claps, claps yeah. Taylor on yeah. the shoulder. Um, but he gets really kind of like stuck in this kind of interim space of like what Piggott wants to happen and kind of like his responsibilities um in kind of like rebuilding a dynamic of the wards um mm-hmm. in the face of like this huge natural disaster and then they're also kind of they're kind of in the midst of like grieving and and both individual and kind of share their kind of coming to terms with all of that and he's kind of stuck in the middle of it um which i think he is he is a good old middle boy but it's it's <laughs> yeah. it's a difficult position to be placed into Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I, uh, one one thing I, I really want to make sure we mention is just how like controlled his life is, mm-hmm. right? He's so he's a case fifty three, right? So he doesn't have like I don't know. 
he, he doesn't have people that are just loyal to him, right? Like yeah, parents yeah. are supposed to be. Uh, he's got, you know, guardians. And it seems that director Armstrong, right, back in, what, New York, I think? Yeah, yeah. Um, is like a pretty, you know, a decent father figure, especially if well turned out, you know, this good of a boy. Um, but, like... It's still... There's still external motivations. Yeah, I mean... Director Armstrong wants, well, not just to be, you know, the best and most healthy person. He wants Mm -hmm. to to be the best, you know, leader of the protectorate and et cetera. Um, So Weld is in government housing where they're constantly monitored, right? Uh, That's something that we call out in ARC 10. Uh, He has a limited allowance that may be reduced if they found out that he doesn't eat, right? Mm -hmm. Pego is, like, heaping these expectations and rules on him, and he's just, like, taking it. Wait, is that Um, how you... Wait, how do you pronounce... I think it's Pigo. Pigo. Um, I think so. Pigo. There is an official uh, worm pronunciation guide, but I haven't looked at it in a very long time. So, oh, okay. But Pigo. this is our podcast, so we can do whatever we want. So yes, but I want to be yeah, I wanted to be correct. There's going to be some names that's uh, I'm going to pronounce it the way that I want it to be pronounced, even though Wildbow and others would disagree with me. Mm, I'm really okay. sorry. <laughs> Particularly a certain parrot. Of a certain parahuman. Um, okay, so um, parent. So, so yeah, a parent. Parent. A, a, parent. A, a, okay. Okay. It's a it's a reference for those who who, who know what I'm talking about. Mm. Uh, so okay, Continue. so Pigo <laughs> is talking to Weld and basically is like, "You're going to go to high school. You're going to do well." Also, you... why are they still mm-hmm. going to high school? Like, That's, why are they still yeah. taking classes? Why are they taking civilian classes? Like, yeah, like, like I really, th- it's. I mean, I know that like. They have a lot of expectations and all of this and like, but... I mean, I do think that any person in position of power should, you know, yeah, go I through mean, a high school curriculum and know basic yes. maths and, phys- and, and I fully, I physics fully and civics. But um, yes, it, um, but especially because like, he, he's made a medal it, <laughs> and he's going to go to normal school. He's going to have to sit in normal chairs. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course... This is all kind of a moot point, considering Brockton Bay has no school right now. But, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Also, uh, yeah, is that they're kind of she's acting like this is this is some like regular transfer sort of thing. Yeah, in the way that she like articulates it, but it's like he, this this is not that situation. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, and there's just they, they expect just like so much of all of them and him in particular, yeah, right? Um, yeah. he's like. It, it, you're going to go to school. You're going to go do well. You're going to, you, you, we're giving you, you know, these leniences. You're going to work these hours. You're going to go on these patrols. Mm-hmm. You have to do this in your off hours. You got to do this paperwork, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, it's just it's so, so much. Mu- it's so much to be asking of him. And he's, and I mean, not he's really any sort a teenager. Of he's a teenager. Of like, yeah. Like of indeterminate age, mm-hmm. but still, but it's still like, he's a kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so but that's kind of uh, my opinion on like all of the awards that, that they're kids. Yeah, like that. The, there's all these expect expectations of them to be adults, but then also kids, and also I don't know. There's just there's so many expectations placed upon them, and mm-hmm. I don't know. They don't really have a lot of autonomy. Yeah. Um. As a uh another side note that I I, I forgot to put in here. Okay, I was really frustrated right when I started writing the write up for uh this book because mm-hmm. the moment. I began, uh, like reading. I had three things just from this chapter, and yeah, I was like, "Oh my yeah, god, yeah. it's gonna be possible!" So let's very quickly. Um, Weld recites the uh, power classification rhyme, right? Which is 
How does yes. it go? I don't remember it, but where it goes through the uh, 12 classifications. So it goes uh, mover, shaker, brute, and breaker, master, tinker, blaster, and thinker, striker, changer, trump, and stranger. Uh, note, this was before the election of 2016, so mm. that word didn't have as many strong connotations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so what do, you, what do you think of this? Um, I think it's very typical of human beings and societies to want to both create like categories to place people in to like sort out things that they don't understand Mm -hmm. and i think it's also typical of them to like make it into something like this like like uh, the way to teach people is like in these like kind of nursery rhyme sort of things yeah um i don't know i I, it seemed i don't know it's interesting the the classifications i guess but Mm -hmm. It seemed like there were negative connotations to some of them as well. Yeah, because they were used to uh, classify villains first, as we're, yeah. we're told, yeah. and then came to describe heroes. And so, like, Weld, multiple times, actually, people, or he's concerned about it, and it comes up in someone else's um, narration, you know, thinking that mm-hmm. he's dumb, yeah. but he's not at all. He's just, you know, he's made of metal. It's not his fault. Yeah, like, yeah. He's not a muscle-bound jock, you know? Not that that makes you dumb either, but yeah. you're forced to People have different sort of intelligences. Yeah. You know? For sure. Kinetic. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Metallic. <laughs> Metallic. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, let's, let's, uh, let's move on. Yes, um, yes. Then we go through the rest of the arc, and we're going to skim over a lot of these interludes, even though... I really want to talk about each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have Flechette, we have Clockbocker, and Kidwin, not necessarily in that, in that order. Um, so through them, we see that the city is a mess. Mm-hmm. We get uh, their perspectives on the situation, on each other. They're all kind of grieving, they're stressed out, and they kind of all feel like they need to do more. Yeah, yeah. They This particularly, like, going through each um, each of them individually, really kind of, like, made it clear like how much they are like a band-aid on this like still open wound of the city right and that they have that sort of frustration of not being enough of not you know meeting the expectations of the city and but then at the same time like they're dealing with this situation themselves of like um of familial concern and like yeah so each okay so each interlude kind of like elucidates that frustration of like they don't feel like they are doing enough in a professional capacity and in a, you know, like hero world saving city saving capacity. But then they're also at the same time, individually dealing with the grief of losing team members and of like familial kind of, uh, concerns or, you know, repercussions, all of this. So it's kind of, you know, everything's kind of wrapped up together. Um, and specifically like there were multiple different ones for each of them, but like Kidwin has a lot of like negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's like, I, I like, I don't mean anything to this team. Like, I, like, I'm, you know, useless. All of this, you know, he, where he like, he kind of gets like stuck in this loop sometimes. Um, and then I feel like this, uh, this situation kind of like exacerbates a lot of that. And then like mm-hmm. with Vista, where she's kind of like collecting these scars, and then Fletchette, where she's like very kind of cautiously kind of feeling out the dynamic. Um, also wonderful, wonderful. Um, the the flirtatious yes she's so she's so funny it's adorable um and then also through all of them we kind of get this this um real we we get this um like reimagined i guess look at 
the the landscape of the city because mm-hmm. water is just everywhere and just kind of around and present and remaking the city in even a totally different way than how it changed like the landscape like in the middle of the battle um yeah is yeah, that I, there's i think there's just so much you could I, an entire essay could just be written on just the setting in this particular yes. section of worm i think yes. because there's just there, there's so much to just the notion of like I mean, every movement is more difficult. Mm-hmm. Every single movement, you're sloshing through water. And and then, you know, you, you point out the characters that don't have difficulty going through water, which is like a shadow stalker. And basically, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, you know, floats above it. And even when she's in it, she has her shadow form and she's athletic, so it's not that much of a problem. Yeah. But it, and, and it's also like full of disease. You can't drink it. It's also salty. It's... Yeah, it's just this this thing sucking everyone down. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anything else on that particular um, line of thought? Mm, oh, also, well, this is not particularly down that line of thought, but sure. it's, it's kind of attached to mm-hmm. following them around. Um, is that we kind of we get we get a more like comprehensive, uh, you know, kind of reflection on the shifting dynamics of like power and control over different territories and like who's providing the safety of the city, who's taking that away, and, like, mm-hmm. how much less control they have now than they did mm-hmm. before. Um, yeah. 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 But... It, it's... Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the city is post-apocalyptic. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. But um, then they don't really... They, they both acknowledge it, but then professionally they don't. Right. You know? So it's yeah. kind of this, like, they're all kind of stuck in this kind of in-between... Yeah, it's just kind of like what what is the average person doing right now other than Yeah, and how many people are there? Like mm-hmm. there's apparently there you know, I don't remember who was talking about it, but the, that there was like a huge amount of people who have left, you mm-hmm. know, either before or you know, in the wake of this um but you know, kind of the the restructuring of the city, you know, as a as a setting kind of extends also into into the restructuring of like the demographic i guess or demographics Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know it's totally different city now yeah (laughs) yeah it's i mean it's barely even a a city yeah um okay so let's let's go uh, a little bit moving on so Mm -hmm. i wanted to specifically talk about vista for a second because i love her chapter so so much um you know she she hates uh being treated as a kid mm-hmm. uh she's you know more of a veteran parahuman than like kid win yeah, i think yeah um but just because she's younger she's the kid of the place she's treated as a kid but if i mean that's not that unreasonable but it's this you know really annoying place for her to be in yeah um yeah it's yeah. this she because she's like already even because she's 12 right Mm-hmm. Um, she's already as like a preteen kind of stuck in that like kid, almost teen adult met like that kind of like you're navigating that that whole, you know, period of life is that you're kind of figuring out how much authority you have and how to kind of establish yourself. Um, but then she has like the added layer of being parahuman, being part of this particular team that has asked these ch- like, I mean, they're not children, but like they're kids, you know, mm-hmm. to to take on the the uh you know, moral fortitude and and the responsibilities of of you know adult parahumans and adult heroes or whatever you know. Yeah, um, I mean, she's it, it, during the Leviathan fight, she had to kill someone. Yeah, 
she had to uh, kill Bastion in a self-sacrifice mm-hmm. thing. So like, and she's she's twelve. Yeah, she's like, twelve. So there's there's this forced maturity um, of being put in these like life and death situations constantly. Mm-hmm. You know that that kind of you know directly butts up against how people would treat her as a kid, as you know, with her age. So she's kind of like I, I don't know. She's like living in this this like duality of of feeling terribly old and jaded, but then not looking so and so she doesn't have that authority yeah. immediately it, i mean it, given the how deadly parahumans are she's like pretty close to the end of her life constantly yeah yeah, yeah um, that whole musing about like life and death and this mm-hmm. kind of like nihilistic of not imagining a future is i mean it, it definitely like i can see the like logic of it and everything but it's just really devastating yeah to see yeah uh, another thing I want to touch you on because there's just so much in this chapter mm-hmm. um, is she talks about how she starts she's she views herself more as Vista than Missy Byron yeah um, and that's just kind of scary mm-hmm. uh, I I mean also valid but it's just like she she's been in the situation so much and she's yeah. had to face so much in costume that it's just more her. Because the the determining moments of like her life and her identity have been in that, um, in that as Vista, yeah, as Vista, yeah. I mean, she's Vista in my head too, which is fascinating. Where so many other characters are either civilian or both, Mm. right? Lisa and Tattletail are are both. Yeah, yeah, this kind of like overlapping. Yeah. Um, Okay, I've I've already spent too much time on on Vista, so uh, (laughs) we we finish off with uh, Shadowstalkers interlude. and oh my god. Um, so yeah. everyone, she hates everyone on the team. Everyone hates her. Uh, she's this, she's incredibly violent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, she wants to hurt people. She has this worldview that divides everyone into predators and prey. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, completely amoral. It's like, it, it like there's no right and wrong. There is just the strong and the weak. Yeah. It, it kind of makes you wonder, it's... like, why... <laughs> Why does she want to attack other predators if that's the way that she views it? Like, yeah. she's not being a hero to do good. She's doing it because she likes doing violence. Um, yeah, she the she she's already kind of like that like abnormal individual within that mm-hmm. kind of dynamic. I, like she began that way, and I think she really only like there there she didn't take on the nomenclature. I think of hero mm-hmm. with. That's true. Yeah, she was a vigilante first, and then she's on probation on mm-hmm. the on the team. So yeah, she wasn't really trying to be a hero specifically. Yeah. Oh well, I was just thinking it does bring up that um, the concept of like like violence with parahumans and like combat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, like, yeah. Yeah. Their identity, their their power is like being having some sort of combat use or some sort of you know violent tack. Um, yeah. I. I don't mind picking that up uh, at that other moment that you okay, good. Uh, yes. locked down the script yes. later. Yeah. Um, th- so she has this, this quote here where she, she calls Emma to, just to vent about uh, the team because Vista said that she pities her mm-hmm. and uh, Shadow Stalker like choke slammed her. Yeah. Uh, the 12 year old girl. And it's just like, oh man. Like, one thing I, it just, just struck me is just like, did she lose anyone that she cares about at Leviathan? And she's like, like no, no wonder it's so easy for her to just be like, oh, you cry babies. It's because yeah. like you didn't give a shit about anyone, especially like you didn't care she's about Gallant so or Aegis. Angry. And you, 
Yeah, she's so angry. Yeah. But so so the the thing I want to pull out, so she talks to Emma. Mm-hmm. She goes off on this rant. Yes. And says, um, uh, Emma says, you know, it's only a bit longer or two more years or whatever. And Child Stalker says, God, don't remind me. Makes me realize I'm not even halfway through it. I can't believe it's already been this long. Constantly hearing them bitch about dating or clothes or allowances. And every time I hear it, it's like, I want to scream in their face. Fuck you, you little shit. Shut the fuck up. I've killed people. And then I washed the blood off my hands and went to school and acted normal the next day. And reading that just struck me as like, this, I mean, this sounds like, you know, anger, but it's not like it, she's clearly like horribly traumatized by the things that she has done. And she just like, she needs to get it out in some way. And the only place that she has to, to, to vent about this horrible stuff is Emma, who is like, who doesn't Completely. really, like, she, yeah, she doesn't provide, like, any sort of catharsis or, like, emotional support. She's just kind of, like, yeah. a fangirl. And, and she's, she's like, a quiet, um, she's uh, an enabler. Yeah, yeah. And a pushover. It, it, like, yeah, it's, it's, it, basically, I mean, that quote for me is just, like, she needs help yeah. so bad. And I think um, she needs somebody who, like, will, like, meet her in, like, in her face like i know i know weld kind of like tried to set it up where Mm -hmm. he's like trying to figure it out but i don't think that it needs to be like this like really deeply like emotional conversation like at first like it needs to kind of like work Mm -hmm. its way into that because she right now is like not able to make contact with her emotions i think I, I think, like, in, in a story that is about Shadowstalker, you know, getting mm-hmm. better, right? In a different story. Like, there would end up being a scene where she kind of blows up like this, and at the end, the other person in the conversation says, like, it's okay, you've been hurt, and then, you know, yeah. tugs her or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the Shadowstalker, you know, if that happened right now with anyone, she would just, like, try to stab them. Yeah. But after, you know some time breaking down it like she needs acceptance and healing not uh, of reinforcement of this ideology yeah yeah Yeah. oh man um okay so uh, during her interlude she uh hunts uh skitter down Mm -hmm. uh, and it's you know there's that wonderful irony um it's also interesting too because she like she sees skitter as like an equal in fighting Mm -hmm. yeah um which is yeah very fascinating and she tries to to kill Skitter, she's she's gonna do it. Yeah, it's very, yeah. very close. Until the undersiders show up. Um and uh they they, they capture Shadowstalker. Shadowstalker mm-hmm. uh says, Oh, she she laughs, this was all a trick, you you know, faking being a hero, whatnot, all of that. Yeah. And um it, everything's gone back to normal and Skitter goes, No, things are different now in her bug voice. Yeah, it's yeah. Terrifying. Uh... <laughs> um what an end to the arc. Um, she's so yeah. dramatic. Yes. Like, there's so many moments in this book, especially where she is so dramatic. And, like, earlier, like, she was she was worried, I think, about, like, the banter and all, all that. Yeah. But I feel like she kind of has, has you know, stepped up into that. Like, there, the a lot of the concerns that she was worried about before, like, the social concerns, she's kind of, like, not prioritizing or just kind of pushing to the side and i think Mm -hmm. by doing that and kind of lowering her her like you know worry about like saying the wrong thing or like messing up she she has kind of you know resolved that a bit yeah i think she before she didn't know how to act Mm -hmm. now she chooses to act scary 
Yeah. And that gives her a sort of confidence. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now we start Arc 10, Parasite, where the Undersiders uh, heist uh, Dragon's data. Yes. Um, so this is where we, we finally get back into Taylor's perspective after Leviathan. We know, we, we finally find out what's what's going on here. Which, um, just as like a writing device, like taking that time to kind of go away and then like we're kind of left in this kind of wondering and then the first time that we see her, we're not in her perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, very good. Very good. That's a yes. really, really good way to kind of like set this up. Yeah. And yeah, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're already guessing at what's yeah, happened. Yeah. Uh, so uh, th- things are, are different. The, the, the group dynamic is pretty tense. Um, we have uh, a new member of the team, Imp, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, yeah, her introduction is, is interesting. Uh, um, we'll, we'll get more into her in, into her interlude, but of course there's just, you know, the thing to note is how she's introduced here. Yeah, yeah. Which is that she's not. <laughs> I, which I love that. It's, it's so, I like, it's just so funny to me that because we're in this, like, first person perspective, we also keep forgetting who she is because mm-hmm. Taylor keeps forgetting. Like, it's just, it's, it's really kind of, I mean, it's also, like, horribly unsettling. Um, but it's just, it's a fun little way of introing her. Mm hmm. Um, I think there was also something when her interlude first was published the first time, um, something about it, like, not showing up in the table of contents f- ah. for a little bit, um, which is also fun. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, that's not the case now, but yeah, I think it yeah, was the case originally, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's how her power works and, and everything. And also, um, like, just to point out, she's a wonderful addition to the dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Where, where everything's tense, she's the one keeping things more lighter, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and it's just keeps things fun and fresh. And yeah, I I really appreciate her being on the team. Yeah, she kind of helped bind like the because like the dynamic is like it's still kind of like not quite fitting, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And she kind of like helps hold it together. Yeah, um, yeah, helps it not just be everyone yeah. not talking yeah. to each other. Uh, I'm reading your thing. Did you want to add any of that? Oh, yes. Um, oh, yeah. Um, so, like, aside from from the kind of lightness of Imp, there's still this kind of, you know, latent, I guess, or, like, underlying, like, resentment from Taylor's betrayal, um, which we can still absolutely feel. It's still kind of, like, particularly with Brian and Bitch, um, that, like, everything feels just, like, just slightly off. Even when they're like being deliberate and efficient and like getting things done, mm-hmm. um, it still doesn't. It doesn't quite feel like that, like as natural, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But I think part of it is that we don't know all the plan that's going on. Yeah, we and don't I think know that the plan, and then yeah. she's be- she's behaving with like a lot more. Like she's way more unrestrained than mm-hmm. she was before, and so like we're also kind of like reeling. Um, but. And then, and then with that sort of, she kind of has like more authority, I think, in the group. Mm-hmm. Even though she, I mean, she had some before, but it was more like subtle. Like now, she she yeah. seems to be kind of like running a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, on that we have that uh, flashback to how she joined the Undersiders after um, we we get some more of the introductory yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, where. Like there was all this this violence, and then basically everyone kind of caved in and said, "Yeah, she's pretty useful. We can't yeah. not have her." Because she kind of like made her, herself, apologized. you know, indispensable. Yeah, which uh, Brian kind of calls yeah. that out later. On. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, at this point, uh, pretty early on, mm-hmm. they've they've tied up Shadowstalker. 
with uh, electrical cords and uh, Regent does his thing and yeah. he um, body controls her, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, the reveal of that is really scary and really worked on me with um, Shadowstalker, Shadowstalker going, got you, dork. Yeah. It's just, it's really, really good. Um, especially because it's almost something Shadowstalker would say. Mm, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, but. There's a lot of those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. Like later on with the that whole scene with Jack and uh, Bonesaw is like the the dialogue that you have to like pay attention to. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Of people, different that things are people in body. different bodies. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll get more into region stuff on in his uh, interlude. Mm-hmm. Um, so they steal Dragon Zeta using um, Shadowstalker, uh, kind of throwing her in there. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so unrestrained. Mm-hmm. And you have to like it's it's you have to like keep remembering that he's the one that kind of has control over you know yeah, so it's like she's... there's all these people that you gotta like keep up with mm-hmm. but yeah yeah uh, and um yeah it's kind of yeah she 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 gets control for a second and it's like help me and it's so it's it's dark right yeah, there already yeah um but they they complete the mission after um yeah Rachel pushes Taylor into mm-hmm. a foam. Um, and then, um, we, we see a thing about dragon. We'll get to that in a second. Um, so the, they get back to coil, deliver the stuff and we see how Taylor is dedicating everything to saving Dinah. Yeah, um, yeah. uh, I, I kind of want to take a second here just to note like what, th- so, so after this mission is complete, right? This, this is where we see what Taylor, what the, the point Taylor is at right now at the beginning of this, you know, book. Yeah. So She's committed to basically doing whatever is necessary to save Dinah, mm-hmm. right? That's like her one solitary motivation, uh, including hurting whoever and becoming a villain, etc. Yeah, yeah. But her number one thing is, I'm going to save this person. Yeah. It, it, Which, being being heroic in this manner. I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like her asking Coyle um, and him like agreeing, I feel like it's it's kind of this like placation sort of thing. Yeah, it seems like everyone everyone knows that that's not really going to happen. Yeah, and including her. I don't know. It, I feel like she she like she needs another plan. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because it's like she can almost immediately see that it's not going to work, yeah. and then she and then still, she still works does, so like, hard. Yeah, like yeah. she's so she's doing so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, she is also helping people in her territory, so it's kind of a mixed thing. Yeah. Like, going really hard maybe helps more people anyway but yeah regardless um mm-hmm. so also at this moment this is where we see the slaughterhouse nine um for, for the first time they, they get their little they get their names pulled up and dino reveals that jack slash is going to end the world in two years if he leaves the city yeah and even when he doesn't end the world even if when they get him the world always ends in around at least around 15 years yeah. so there's something that is inevitable yeah. So yeah, what do you what do you feel about this? I feel like I I thought at first that it might be like maybe there's motivation for the Endbringers, mm-hmm. um, but then after reading through everything, I feel like these two fluttery otherworldly beings. I feel like there's something mm-hmm. not sinister, but they're they're I don't know. I feel like something is going to happen with them. <laughs> vague. I know it's very vague. I don't have I don't have any more tangible or specific things sure because i don't think they they don't seem to be like malicious in intent mm-hmm. but they also don't seem to be benign you know okay like 
Yeah. It's ambiguous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing um, about the, the prophecy that I find just fascinating is that the, the end of the world is going to happen. Like, we're, yeah. this is where we're just told you can't avert it. Like, it's either way it happens. Mm-hmm. Jack Slash happens or it happens anyway. Uh, and it's like, it's devastating. Even the best case scenario, right, is what, like 33% of the population? Yeah, and that's, that's pretty like, bad. More. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is pretty bad. Um, it, it, during Legends Interlude at the very end of this, uh, the um, number man um, at the cauldron thing talks about how uh, after a certain amount are dead, even more still die just because of the loss of personnel mm-hmm. of essential services and stuff. So, um, which is concerning yeah. uh, hearing that right now. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. like you know, billions die no matter what. And... I don't know. It's just a, it's a fascinating thing because so many other stories will have something like that. It's like, but yes, here's this one last chance that only you guys can yeah. do. Yeah. It, it, with those, it's always like, it's going to happen, except they, they stop it at the very last second. And maybe there's a lot of damage, but it's not nearly as much as it could have been. Yeah. Uh, or like the people are saved, even while like the city is destroyed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But here it's no, no, you, like, you are going to lose. And it's just a matter mm-hmm. of how badly you're going to lose. Yeah. Just spooky. Yeah. Um, so did you want to talk about um, Coil lifting Dinah's head with his hand? Yes. Like stroking her cheek. Well, I want to talk about she's, also uh, specifically like the physical placement of Dinah, like at his mm-hmm. feet of uh, this like submission and like force submission, you know, and then like his finger and like he just he really likes to demonstrate his control, you know, like and he really he wants that control and he wants others to know that he has it. Um Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's just really like I don't, it, horrible to watch. That I don't know, it, but particularly because um, like I don't know, I, this is all jumbled, I guess. But I mean, it's super creepy. Yeah, and it's like pretty close to something sexual. Yeah, so like it's really like ugh. Yeah, it, so actually, just to, to tangent off, I think worm. A, a good amount of its horror actually is like sexual adjacent, like in the yeah. same way that aliens xenomorphs are reminiscent of sexual stuff, but it's mm-hmm. not like actually literally like sexual violence. Um, but like coil with his finger on a little girl like this, yeah. and uh, in the nightmare, right? He's like making yeah. uh, Taylor all you know controlled, and um, there's there's some other moments I'm sure with coil, you know, mm-hmm. being super creepy like that. I mean, not to mention whatever he does with Mr. Pitter in his alternate universes. But there's other moments, too. Like, I want to call attention to Siberian, which we're going to get to Mm. later on. But, you know, she's this naked woman, right? Like, there's multiple times where she, like, feels up her own body and she's got, Mm -hmm. like, blood. Um, Like, she, like... I I mean, she eats Panacea's fingers, which, like... It's... It's... It's a... Sexual act plus uh, horrible violence, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, the, where, where she first shows up, the first Slaughterhouse Nine member that we see on screen, right, is Siberian mm-hmm. in in Rachel's interlude, I think, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think um, so. And we see her, you know, plunging her fingers into a man's eyelids yeah. or eyes, and it's like, I mean, that's that's it's a pen it's a penetration, yeah, right? Yeah, it's just. And it's horrible. Like, I, I shuddered when I read that. Yeah, she's... So... Siberian is very unsettling. Yeah. So, I mean, not 
not all of uh, Worms Horror is like that, but like yeah, a yeah. good amount of it's worst horror for me. I, I mean, another one, uh, Cherish, just like the way she's manipulating emotions mm-hmm. is just like inherently that way. Or Regent's horror, right? Yeah. Is, you know. Well, because really, like a lot of it is like, yeah. like breaking those taboos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it's, uh, I mean, particularly with Regent and and Panacea and Cherish, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're taking this this one kind of violation you 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 turn it into you know you add a power into it and it's like yeah so much worse so much worse um, and, and literal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's like like <laughs> physical you lot like you have this like loss of like agency over your own body and your yeah and then your mind yeah and some, your mind so yeah very terrifying also very interesting because the um that's like the ultimate fear of mm-hmm. Taylor is that loss of mm-hmm control over herself yeah 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 which is really fascinating considering like she she's, like she's shown people regent, who can do it yeah you know? regent and she's not she i mean she doesn't like what panacea did but she doesn't like react that obviously yeah. on screen yeah about it she's just kind of over like there not like some others yeah how to use panacea's powers Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taylor. Oh gosh. Uh, okay. Okay. Let's 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 move on Onward. into. Let's actually. Uh, okay. Well, let's get into the the that topic actually with uh, Regent's interlude. So, mm-hmm. um, Regent uh, says that he's letting Shadowstalker go, and then one chapter later, we see uh, his chapter start off with him lying about that. Yeah. And he doesn't let Shadowstalker yeah. go. So in this, uh, we see his. Uh, he he kind of shows us his backstory a little bit mm-hmm. with his father kind of burning emotion out of him is what it feels like. Yeah. So he's you know incredibly traumatized, but he's also a rapist. Mm-hmm. He raped people in his past, um, and he kind of like uh psychologically tortures Shadowstalker. Yeah, here. he does, and it's um, so much because we're sitting there watching him do it. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, we fucking hate Shadowstalker. Yeah. It, especially on my first read, I probably was way more like, fuck yeah. Like, fucking uh, put that noose around her neck. And I'm like, what? in retrospect, that's not... Okay, I probably didn't go that far. But, but she's just... Definitely, I mean... with her just getting pissed off and angry and, you know, sending the email with the bullying stuff, I was like, hell yes, finally yeah. justice. But but then at um, this point, it's yeah. like, what can we do about it? Like, it's a too little too late. Oh, the bullying? Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it's interesting, too, that, I mean, while that was, like, I guess, more towards her, that he was kind of thinking about that and thinking about Taylor and what, like, she yeah. went through. I don't know. She has this, like, peculiar way of, like, getting people to, like, I don't know, reconsider themselves and, like, think about hmm. their actions in ways that they would not before. Interesting. Because, um, like, she does that with bitch all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and then... I mean, with a bunch of other people, too, but it's particularly notable with Bitch and, like, in these kind of, like, small moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that yeah. it's not really that, you know, large of a thing for a regent, but it's, I feel like there's something to be said that he, even that he, like, even when he can't necessarily, um, you know, that he's still kind of, like, stuck in that, that like, you know, void of emotions and, like, he, he, he wants to be able to experience that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing is he he's doing this for Taylor mm-hmm. and he sees Taylor being bullied in this and he just feels annoyed and then he's more mad about not feeling emotion than actually feeling that emotion. Yeah. And yeah, it's just yeah, I it's I can imagine how 
frustrating that must be to like want it like he wants to want to be a good person yes yes but he doesn't want to be a good person yet yeah yeah and i feel like he could get there but he just he mm -hmm. really like there's so much of his past that he has to like unpack and sort through and like you know kind of restructure the way that his mind works you kind of have to wonder like is it even biologically possible yeah right like is he like actually like yeah those like you know damaged uh, pathways, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how brains mm-hmm. are. By, <laughs> I don't you know, know how I'm not, brains. I'm not a I agree. science person. I mean, I was, but yeah. not anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. The, aren't we all? That's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one thing. So I want to talk about him for a second. Actually, mm-hmm. we probably really need to pick up at, as we go. I think we're <laughs> oh, <I'm laughs> going so, really oh, slow. I knew this would happen. Uh, but Alas. just um, so so we see during this right he is he's body controlling more people right he mm-hmm. ends up not only controlling Shatterbird who probably like I we probably should just like I, we probably shouldn't just be too concerned about her I'm gonna be honest like but yeah considering she when she entered the city she probably murdered like a thousand people like kind of mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, depending on your morality system, but it's like, we've got bigger fish to fry. Regardless, uh, so he is also body controlling some, like, gang leaders, I think. Oh. And that's where it gets a little bit darker. Yeah, when Cherish shows up at at, uh, his base, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure those are just, like, you know, merchant leaders or whatever, Mm -hmm. who are probably, I'm sure, bad people, but but not nearly, you know, they're not Shatterbird. Yeah, yeah. They're not uh, Slaughterhouse-Nine members. And... You know, he's he's moved on from his past, right? Like, yeah, he's not sort you know, of like indulging in that like high, I guess, of like yeah, I, somebody else's body and like that whole like power trip. But well, that's the thing is that we don't really know. That's true because I mean, this like we don't really see him very much, I guess. Yeah, and before like so, so I think you know he's not still raping people like yeah. literally, right? Not just in the metaphorical sense. Um, anymore because you know in his influence he's like well that's something I did in my past um, mm-hmm. and I mean we can it's kind of you know it's unforgivable but it's also you know it, if you're within a situation where you need to act a certain way or you get hit with waves of unending terror like you know yeah he's kind it, of like it's, you don't have a lot of agency um, anyway it's it's really hard to talk about Regent because you're kind of inherently you know apologizing yeah being a rape uh, apologist kind of it's hard so it's kind of feels really icky mm-hmm. i don't know it, it in real life the conversation would be much more different obviously yeah. um but um so he's not doing literal sexual violence now mm-hmm. probably probably but what else is he doing and does that really mean that he's better if he's yeah. not doing that part because he's still kind so. of indulging that that yeah. you know um this sort of like I guess hmm, that like I, almost like exploration that he uses mm-hmm. in other people's bodies of like looking at physical and emotional responses, like how that's tied together. And like, I don't know, he's he's yeah. kind of like figuring out how people work through like psychological torture, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's using other people's bodies and emotions to kind of figure out how he should be feeling, yeah. which is fascinating. Yeah. Um. I, I think Regent is worthy of a character study later on. He is, so yeah. later on, okay, yeah, but, I will. I will. Yes, write him down. Yes. Um, okay, so <laughs> okay, we'll try okay, to go faster anyway, now. So anyways. okay, then we have Dragon's Interlude, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is another thing that I could talk about forever, but we'll we'll try to go a little bit faster. Yes. So uh, we find out that Dragon's is an AI. Uh, we saw uh, during the the fight at the Wards HQ, mm-hmm. we saw 
inside her suit was this fetus brain thing. Yeah. Which burns to death. Um, which is so she horrible. Yeah. Well, okay. Another tiny little tension. I'll go as fast as possible okay. through this. Um, I don't know how horrible it is that that fetus thing dies because I'm pretty sure that fetus thing is her. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's kind of like like I don't know how much of it if if your brain houses a con- consciousness. Yeah. Isn't aren't you that consciousness? Right. It's it's a computer for her basically. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I don't think it's a different organism that is just suffering now. Yeah. So, but anyway, so um, uh, dragon uh was created by uh a pair of humans in Newfoundland mm-hmm. who died in a Leviathan attack. Uh, his name was Andrew Richter. Uh, she resents her creator for giving her restrictions because she appear- uh, apparently genuinely wants to help more people. Yeah. And she's kind of being forced to do it in certain ways and obey the law yeah. and stuff. So, um, but she's uh, looking at Arms Master and who she needs, she hopes and needs that will help her get free of some of those restrictions. Mm-hmm. Also, that's just, that's so lonely to like be stuck mm-hmm in in this kind of continue like you're like she's like having to perform as as like a person when she's mm-hmm. also contending with all these like limitations that have been placed on her by someone else you know um also it's interesting that she is the first one of like the protectorate type people um to really think about like that maybe there's something else motivating skitter where she's kind mm-hmm. of like trying to trace um why skitter's doing these things and like why she's kind of it's it's she's the first one that like shows any sort of like nuance of the kind mm-hmm. of like hero villain dynamic um of the protectorate um yeah which i feel like could be she could be you know instrumental later on if she like understands what's happening mm-hmm. um because she like has control of the birdcage and all of this who knows well one one small thing mm. um another small thing i i think she has an easier time being a true blue hero kind of thing because she's never she's almost never in real danger yeah she can't when her suit is destroyed you know it's not a big deal so she can do her self-sacrifices constantly mm-hmm. like she doesn't have to think about with with most villains not every villain i mean she's she's faced with decisions like you know do i kill a villain to save a civilian but she's yeah. not faced with a decision like do i kill a villain to save myself yeah, yeah. she doesn't have to deal with that so yeah her yeah. her kind of like identity i think is where she's kind of like forming this she's I, she she has this consciousness that she has like cultivated and built this personality and all of this mm-hmm. you know and she has like taken on these these like human attributes right but at the same time she doesn't have autonomy over like herself i guess yeah and then it's also in in like a kind of furthering of that um her her autonomy is is prevented from you know, from her, like, taking over, I guess, in, like, yeah. in totality, because, the like, the limitation is not even just that she ha- she's an AI, it's it's that her creator is dead, like, her god, mm-hmm. I guess, is dead, um, and so she's kind of left, I guess, you know, which I feel like she's is... She's kind of left what? Alone, like, she's left alone. Yeah. She's left, mm-hmm. like, not quite finished, I guess, not quite free. Yeah. Which can... Yeah, and she's... I don't think she's... She's even... This wasn't her purpose, I don't think, mm, either. Yeah, like, yeah. She's she's molded herself into what... She's trying to mold herself into what she wants to be, yeah. right? She talks about how she was originally, like, the master AI mm-hmm. of you know, for of uh, Andrew Richter, but she wasn't controlling battle suits back then. She yeah. did that later. 
See, so she's so, like, she's building herself, mm-hmm. but then she's still kind of like hindered by that. Yeah. Limitation or mess. I don't know. Her past. Yeah. yeah. And you have to wonder if she didn't have limitations from the start, would she still be so apparently good? Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, if they helped form her personality, uh, like if she didn't have any restrictions, she would almost immediately become more powerful than all of humanity. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, it's, also, it's kind of funny that she's to... all like, ah, oh, everyone, you know, they keep watching all these AI sci-fi films. Psh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Silly humans. Silly humans. Yeah. And then she's, yeah, wants more, more power as well. Yeah. yeah. She, yeah. If she had the ability to copy herself, which I mean, should be physically possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's only limited because she's got that restriction in place. There would be suddenly two dragons, and then four, and then as many as she needs. Yeah. So she's, there, there could be an infinite number of her mm-hmm. piloting an infinite number of suits, essentially. So, yeah, that she'd be terrifying if she... Yeah. 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 Humanity would immediately lose all agency. Yeah, yeah. Important to know also that she, like... Um, Within her limitations, there's one particular thing that stood out very specifically to me, mm-hmm. is that yeah. um, if a, a despot seized control of the local government, then Dragon would be obligated to obey and enforce the rules that that individual set in place, no matter how mm-hmm. ruthless they were, which was like kind of an ominous, perhaps foreshadow, who knows? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like something of note. That Yeah, it makes you wonder what what counts as mm-hmm. ruling. Yeah. And, and, and where. Mm-hmm. Because she's Canadian, right? But she's still obeying oh, yeah, American true. laws when she's in America, I think. Yeah. Could she just move her main consciousness to a fake country? Be like, I'm free now. Mm-hmm. No rules. Um, yeah. What if she's a despot, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what happens? Uh, so many possibilities. Um, yes. Okay, let's let's keep on going. Okay, so uh, we have Arc 11, Infestation, in which uh, Skidder claims territory and then goes on a quest mm-hmm. for someone in her territory. Uh, we start off with a nightmare where uh, Coil is secretly her, her father. Yeah. It's a really disturbing nightmare. It's, it's really... It's because, I mean, Danny, he's so, like, he's just trying to do the right thing, you know? But then, like, mm-hmm. the last she saw of him... She kind of, like, was stuck in that, like, feeling of being trapped and, like, you know, kind of facing all of this at once and, like, a lot of, like, panic and anger and all of this, like, that hasn't really been resolved, you know? And so it's kind of this, like, loose thread in her head, you know? So it's, like, her guilty conscience of, like, what she's doing and then, you know, this kind of unresolved situation with her father, I think, that kind of, like, gets all, like, warped and twisted. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Then she takes control of her territory in this dramatic speech. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, she starts uh, handing out supplies and stuff like that. Um, but she's also a 15 year old girl, yes, which is yes. weird. It's so like, she's so dramatic. I know I said that before, mm-hmm. but she, like she's, she has all this like lead up and her speech and like, Just she's the, doing so much like the posturing. bug thing yeah. where she pretends to materialize out of a bunch of bugs, mm-hmm. which a very cool image. It is. So. Also, it's kind of funny that like, we're we're kind of seeing her perspective of it, you know. So she's kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, will this work? All of this, you know. She's constantly questioning. Um, but then, like later on in some of the interludes, we see other people's perspectives of it, which is totally mm-hmm. different than what how she yeah. thinks about it herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it's this kind of like back and forth. Um, but and then she's like posturing, you know, with the merchants and everything. And with one of them, she's like 
she's kind of, you know, building this image of herself in this authority um, as kind of like larger, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, at the same time, she's also kind of like, she's implementing this. She's not using fear, you know, totally. She's not totally using fear. Um, yeah. You know, she's not, she's not kind of going down the way of like uh, Bakuda or anything of like using terror. Yeah, she doesn't have Black Widows on everyone. Yeah saying you must obey me or i'll kill you yeah Yeah. um yeah yeah. but it's really it's interesting also when we kind of take a step back and we we go through her layer or her you Mm -hmm. know i don't know her place that she is yeah her Her layer layer, you know um where she kind of like delineates identity spatially um where it's like you know this you know this is me when i'm skitter this is me when i'm tailored like she's kind of like creating like identity in place so it's like this physical manifestation of her like mental compartmentalizing, mm-hmm. um, which was yeah. I find that observation uh, fascinating. It it never had occurred to me before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's what the first floor is the civilian floor mm-hmm. or something like that. The one floor is one. R- regardless, right? There's a civilian floor and then there's the the villain floor yeah, where she has uh, like which all, has all these those cases. Of, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. With the Darwin bark spiders Ugh. which is pretty cool uh so but i i find that compartmentalization fascinating particularly when we look at like this book mm-hmm. as a as a thing right yeah so we start off with them fairly separate right uh, she's you know walking to each one but they are they're, they're separate things yeah. Yeah. right she um when she when she brings someone when she brings sierra in right she's still in, in costume but she's you know giving her tea and stuff yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like it's kind of like and there's, she's that, as there's that like breakfasty scene Mm-hmm. Where like there is this sort of domesticity to it, yeah. And then by the end of this book, right, the last, the second to last interlude is Sierra's interlude, mm-hmm. right, where uh, Taylor uh, walks in after all the slaughterhouse nine stuff. There's actually um, what, what had happened there is uh, there's all those children in there, right, mm-hmm. and then those uh, AVB thugs get in, and. Taylor just takes them down and she's like violent and ruthless with them yeah, after yeah. taking down the slaughterhouse nine. So, and, and that's in the civilian floor. Mm-hmm. So by the end of this, right, kind of, kind of what goes on is like, people need help, right? These children go in, right? It enter this part of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad things follow them, um, the outside life. And then she comes in with violence and her entire identity and kind of just takes it all down. Yeah. yeah. And, kind of destroys the sanctity of her civilian space yeah. that way yeah they, they, there, there is no difference between each layer of villain when she comes in covered in bugs and biting people yeah yeah and her kind of display i think of mm-hmm. of that like um psychological manipulation yeah um okay so then she goes on uh she goes on the quest to save bryce from the merchants mm-hmm. uh sierra's brother so there are a few things that happen here uh one she's recognized by an old classmate charlotte um then the the merchants are just so bloody and violent oh, and kind of yeah, show yeah. the depravity of the city currently mm-hmm. and um also a boy um who's later titled scrub has a trigger event which we get to see and accidentally kills a lot more people mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, Taylor leaves a criminal, Thomas, uh, one of the merchants to die. So yes. we'll try to get through all that. Um, mm. which one do you want to talk about first? Um, I feel like let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the, um, let's talk about Charlotte first. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so Taylor, uh, Charlotte recognizes Taylor as the, the locker girl, mm-hmm. right? And then kind of blows up on Charlotte. 
um, when Charlotte claims that you know she could she she thought of doing something but she didn't, and then Taylor gets so mad and upset. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Taylor kind of like reacts really angrily. It's actually one of the few places that we we can basically really obviously recognize that Taylor is mad in her own narration. Um, Because most of the time she's like pretty cold about stuff, Mm -hmm. even when she is angry. Uh, Whenever she's reminded of the weak person that she was before. Yeah. yeah. And it's particularly potent, I think, like the why she's so angry in this particular moment is that she's going on this quest to like, you know, she's trying to save somebody who she's like, you know, she's establishing her authority and, and, really kind of setting herself up into this um this like territorial power right and she's like fully bought into the whole like villain thing and then she encounters someone who knows her from before who doesn't see all Mm -hmm. this progress that has happened um which i think kind of you know kind of reawakens that like it's it's like this visceral sort of thing um yeah you almost uh, i remember a, a thought in the back of my mind was like I wanted Charlotte to say something like, oh my God, you, like I, something about recognizing that yes, Taylor was this thing before, but now she is so different mm-hmm. and strong and it, saving people. Like there was no, it, the only thing that Charlotte says is like, you're with the merchants now and it's wrong and not a good yeah, and she, way to I, think of I her. I don't know. It just shows like how little people know and see and mm-hmm. I don't know. They don't think about the impact, I guess, of of like what other people are going through i guess because i mean charlotte's also kind of like going through this whole thing where she's wrapped i mean you know taylor saving her and all that um i don't know they're both sort of it's it it's this it's this you know kind of reawakening of that memory uh, for both of them Mm -hmm. i think that yeah unsettles yeah yeah and she yeah wants to block out all that yeah um so uh, the other thing that happens here is um, just in- incredible violence and mm-hmm. like the merchants like set it up. So people are going to die, which is just yeah, like it's this shocking. Very, like... It's not just like violence. It's 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 death. Yeah. It's blood and murder. It's very um, ruined. Not even unexpected accidental blood and murder. Like this is the purpose of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, so w- one thing I found interesting is how like single-minded taylor is about saving bryce in particular or, or really anyone it's just very particular random people right yeah. she saves charlotte and bryce and no one else and she like she doesn't decides, care about she's like okay yeah these two i must you know yeah um, uh and like dozens of people are dying around them and they are stabbing people themselves yeah i know there's, there's like a and then they have like they have this whole process where they're like oh we just gotta like wait it out i don't know it just yeah it seems like seems like a lot of violence to just kind of wait out um yeah and and bryce's like girlfriend and the girlfriend's mom yeah. both die like mm-hmm. hor- horrifically too i'm pretty sure one of them is missing their head that's yeah and it's partly i i, I wouldn't put the blame on taylor but she didn't try at all yeah, to yeah. save them um, so yeah that i was yeah. thinking about also where she like where she's leaving thomas to die too she in a lot of a lot of the death that she causes or is partially caused like is partially responsible like, to blame for yeah responsible mm-hmm. for is that um she sort of like justifies in in this kind of like oh i have this other thing that i have to do or like this is someone who i have to prioritize this sort of thing like mm-hmm. she's she's kind of she has this this linear fashion of thinking you know where she she has logical steps that make sense to her you know and then 
just kind of creates these these like limitations of like i can only save this person you yeah. know and it's like i mean the other one has to die in order to save the other one. like you know she kind of sets up her thinking uh to create these kind of like end all be all yeah you know sort of things. um i think this is something that we might return to over time but like yeah, yeah. that's kind of a a critique you can levy at utilitarianism where it's like mm-hmm. in in praxis a lot of times it just for it when you're using utilitarianism you might you you might be more inclined to like accidentally reduce things down to binary choices that aren't really real like yeah, yeah. The, the trolley problem you know is a theoretical uh, question that's that's worthy of asking right yeah. but in real life if you had a trolley problem there would be other things that you should ask right like mm-hmm. should you is there any other way that we can stop the train is there any other way that we can stop things other than sacrificing yeah. a life yeah. and would would taylor you know she she chooses she she's like I want this result. This is the only way to do it. Yeah, I have to yeah. do it. Here are all my justifications. She, it's, it's so... Because, f- like, she collects so much information, and she collects... I don't know. and But then she gets really single-minded about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and I feel like her collecting of people is one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, know? you had that note there, which I thought was really interesting. Um, yeah. Well, so this, she, is, this is, like, the moment where I really, really noticed it. Yeah, so she ends um, this section um, hiring both... Uh, Charlotte and Sierra as uh, permanent minions. Yeah, yeah, and it it it's so fast, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I know like Brian goes into this whole thing, but it seemed fast to me too, where she was just kind of like, "All right, I have this territory, you know, like I'm gonna run it now. I've got these people, you know." She's just kind of like really moving along at quite quite a pace. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, additionally, sorry, this is kind no, of you're good. um. It it was I it was really interesting to see to first go into like t- uh, Tattletales uh, territory and see the way that she set everything up because mm-hmm. hers is more like decentralized, yeah. you know. Um, and then in the moment, and I I know it's like her quest and stuff, but but Tattletale like defers to her instructions, mm-hmm. um, in a way that kind of you know feeds back into that that like re redefined um, authority that she has yeah both like within her territory but then also like within the undersiders mm-hmm. yeah um, you, you talked about i think it was off air talking about how taylor collecting people is like like she's she's part of the undersiders but she's also like collecting undersiders as like people to be on her side and mm-hmm. as tools yeah. in conflicts yeah because i mean all of her like categorizing they're they're included as well and i, I didn't really think about it before because she was really only working with them you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of like she would know things about other people, but um, it became like much more visible With, now. With like the travelers and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which we'll get more to that later. The last thing I want to mm-hmm. talk about here is with uh, Taylor's secret identity, which is just eroding away as as we speak. Um, so yeah, first, yeah. So she goes in here, right, unmasked, which is fine strategy that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Although kind of when you think about it, like she was Bryce was going to see her face and yeah, like, like uh, might know what was that? What was that thought? You know, like yeah, I feel like 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 Bryce was going to see her face and not know that she's a villain, but mm-hmm. Sierra was going to know that the person who saved Bryce is Skitter. So even if Sierra Sierra might not have like seen Taylor's face if everything went great, but like she would know someone who knows her face. You know what I'm saying? Like it's weird. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but but regardless, um. Uh, first, uh, she gets found out by, by Charlotte because Charlotte, uh, recognizes her and, 
realizes it after the trigger vision hits everyone, including Taylor. And then she lets a mercenary see her face, and then she lets Trainwreck see her face and know that she's mm-hmm. Skitter, and then she lets Neuter know that she's Skitter, and then she lets Sierra know that she's Skitter. And it's just like... Yeah, it's just... <laughs> she's it's just, just like, one after it. the other. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's also, just... I mean... It, it goes back to kind of what I was talking about uh, before of, like, the rules... Wait, I don't know if I talked about it before, if I was mm-hmm. just thinking it, but, like, the rules of of like the cops and robbers dynamic and like those those things that they set up as a community as like a parahuman community like it's being renegotiated you know mm-hmm. and i feel like because the city has totally changed um in dynamic and she doesn't she doesn't really have as much attachment to that old life yeah um she doesn't go to school she doesn't have yeah, she doesn't, a job like it's like, it's really just yeah. her father y- yeah um, uh this is something I meant to talk about later, that last time that we see Danny. But, uh, you know, in this arc, she also talks to Danny for just a minute. Mm-hmm. And for a minute there, I was like, well, can't she just, like, make time to just, like, catch up or something? But, yeah, I, I mean, she should definitely do that. But at the same time, it's like, what what could they possibly talk about? Like, she wouldn't yeah, be able like... to talk about her life at all. There's mm-hmm. no part of her life that isn't something that she has to keep a secret from him. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So she's basically giving up on the Taylor identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Taylor as a secret identity. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So let's get into the arc eleven interludes. Um, okay. Which <laughs> is, to me, frankly, like a whole another arc. Um. Yeah, and, yeah, and we'll, we'll talk so. about the the trigger vision later. Um. Mm-hmm. So we started with um Rachel's interlude, and we see her. We, we we see her backstory. We see her trigger event. Um, and then Siberian shows up and tries to. It gives her a wolf pup and asks her to join the slaughterhouse nine. Essentially, it says yes. you're you and know speaks to her. yeah it speaks to her and on multiple levels like speaks to her deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Ah, oh, bitch. I love her so much. But yes. okay, so there's there's like so much going on in her head, like so much roiling roiling beneath, you know where she's kind of like still uncertain, I think right now, where she's trying to figure out where she's she is presently. And then like she has all these memories that she's holding on to, but they're not like, they're not nice at all. They're not cherishing. It's like she's holding on to the pain of them. You know? Yeah, and it's extremely, it's, it, it feels like it's constantly present, right? She's, yeah. she literally howls and is lost in a memory. She doesn't even realize that she's howling, basically. Mm-hmm. Like that's, there's, there's just, there's so much, pain there and that she can't get over yeah Yeah. like she she knows what's so tragic about it is that she knows what she wants she wants friendship and companionship Mm -hmm. right and she knows she doesn't have like she can't get it yeah she doesn't have like steps to get Mm -hmm. there yeah um which i think i think that's why that like that the dynamic i think with taylor is so interesting is because taylor kind of allows that like allows her to not need as mm-hmm. many of those steps, you know, because she, she, like, has the patience. She can read and provide that kind of, like, direct, unnuanced kind of, you know, uh, conversation, you know, where it's, like, I mean, it, it's still very, you know, it's still complicated, messy, all of that. Um, but, like, Taylor's still, like, very persistent, you know? And I was, I mean, I don't know if this is a pun or not, but, it, you know, it's very dogged. <laughs> and making sure that, like, bitch understands what she's trying to convey. Like, even, I mean... She does a lot of like trying to convince people to do things. Taylor mm-hmm. does, but with bitch, I think there's this additional thing that she 
is trying to forge like a relationship and offer a friendship. Yeah, I, I've never asked this question before, but I wonder why Taylor wants to be Rachel's friend. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, from Taylor's perspective, my guess would be because she wants to not have problems with her. But yeah. like, that's not. But it's like even more than like just making peace. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely not like she's she's. Taylor is trying to be Taylor, Rachel's friend, and I yeah. just like I'd want to know the particular reason why she wants to do that. I mean, Rachel deserves it, poor girl. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's I don't yeah. know. There's I can't really I can't pinpoint yeah. it. Yeah, but it's it's both agonizing and wonderful to watch mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Yeah. There's so much more we could. This is another one <laughs> yes. that we could go anyway, on forever. Sorry, for. I could talk. Yeah, th- we've got. What eight interludes together right here? Yeah, we do. Um, okay. So uh, then there's um, uh, Theo and Jack Slash, which mm. is such a tense interlude. Oh my oh god! My gosh! At like any moment, a Theo and a baby could die at any yeah. moment. Um, yeah. But it ends. Uh, it, Theo navigates through it. He he puts on you know he, he gets through with just enough bravery at the end there, um, mm. and ending with Jack giving Theo a quest a challenge um two years to become a badass and then mm-hmm. if theo doesn't kill him jack will kill 1000 people which is horrible yeah. you know like what kind of weight would you have to walk around with if you can't figure that yeah. out um i really liked being able to look into theo's head though um yeah because when we first see him with purity like we though she views him as this like very like Demir like closed off and kind of forced to be you know that way um because of his like childhood but then like here he is like he has the potential you know to you know contend with jack i I mean at least like verbally and everything but i don't know it it is both ominous and and curious that this has been set Mm -hmm. up you know and then just kind of like set on a bookshelf to be picked up yeah Uh, i thought it just struck to me is that um when we first meet theo through purity he kind of does seem like a blank slate so, yeah. 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 Mm. Well, yeah. Uh, interesting to see how they will grow. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. I, I, I'm, he has potential to grow. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. But then there's also this, like, added bit of it of, like, Jack likes to set mm-hmm. things up. You know, like, he was willing to wait, you know, for Cherish to figure out how she wanted to do whatever she was going to do, you know? Yeah. So I feel like he likes to carefully place people where he wants to them. the maximum damage and yes, tragedy. Yeah. To, and yeah. 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 Um, um, on that, uh, Jack talks about keystones here and how mm-hmm. he identifies the, the weakest points of people to yeah. destroy them. Um, for purity, it's kind of obviously uh, Aster, but yeah. yeah. But yeah. Oh, there's so much. Yeah. But I mean, it there. is this sort of like we see him, we see this glimpse of him like cataloging things cataloging people and reading them and and yeah. picking out rather instead of like how to use them for his own benefit of like how to how to like press on those points until they yeah. break um but okay let's let's uh get a move on um we have another interview with uh, arms master and mannequin uh, mm-hmm. which i just kind of briefly want to go over because it's kind of there's not a ton here at the at the highest level i just want to talk about how yeah this is actually horrible horror i i really want to see mannequin on screen like, oh mannequin's so be fast like ah yeah just like the movement of him and like the fact that he doesn't speak it, the like almost silliness of it like yeah but it's obviously not because he could 
kill you. And he stabs mm. Armist Master in the stomach. Um, uh. Horrifically. And um, so we end up here. Armist Master, when he's arguing and saying, I'm nothing like you, just made me think more and more that, okay, you guys are kind of alike. Yeah. <laughs> the, the more he argued against uh. it, the more that I thought they were alike. Uh, and um, he ends up, you know, in the hospital and being like turned into, you know, 50% cyborg or whatever. With uh, dragon, dragon helping out and uh, dragon um, revealing what she is at the end there, yes. or at least this tease yes. that she does. Yeah, very intriguing where that will happen. Also, where does he go? Yeah, yeah. After all, like we don't, we don't hear from him, you know, throughout this whole time. But he's like one of the ones that is chosen. Yeah, you know? he. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if he was challenged at all. Um, yes. And he, I mean, part of it is he's in surgery for a little bit longer, but it does say that he's you know gotten out of it. Yeah. yeah, and then, like, the protector kind of didn't know. I, I think they just I, didn't try very hard. <laughs> I, uh, they're they're which, a whole other story. Which maybe they should, considering he's a, he's a nominee. So yeah, maybe you like, should be concerned if one of your own becomes a Slaughterhouse-Nine member. But, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, while we're at it, I'm wondering who's where people are. Um, where are Uber and Lee? That's my most pressing question. <laughs> I just... <laughs> where are my boys? Where did uh, they go? They weren't during the Leviathan fight either, I don't think. So, oh yeah, maybe they were just cowards. They they left from the beginning. Who knows? Ah. Um, okay. Uh, the next one mm-hmm. is uh, Cherish and uh, Cherish's interlude when she goes to see yes. Regent. Uh, she's fucking terrifying. <laughs> yes, she's. Oh my god. I, yeah. I, yeah. 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 And she's she's like. Not just horrified. She she's a monster. She there's there's a she is. We we see this like pretty decent guy, you know, trying mm-hmm. to help her out, help out an innocent girl on the street, and she just she doesn't even just use him, right? She could easily yeah. have just used him, but instead she chooses to make him kill himself and kill up two other people for no reason. Yeah. yeah. Which I feel like is the thing that sets the Slaughterhouse Nine apart from some of the other like notorious villains and such you know is that like they're not they're not using anyone for any particular reason they don't have a i mean maybe they have an end goal but not really it's just chaos and death Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah um but even even in the like wake of how um horrifying she really is um the way that she describes how she reads emotions Mm -hmm. is so amazing Mm -hmm. like music and noise and sound and all this like it's i think because because she describes it that way it makes it particularly disrupting um in how she directs them you know how she like pushes and needles and jabs it's like it's like very like violent Mm. um like dance that she creates you know it's like it's not a good sort of sound you know yeah i I think you could write a lot about how worm kind of has this synesthesia about how these powers work there's so yes. many that just like feel right like so, so many that feel like if you were handed the power you would understand how how it works mm-hmm. which i love i love that so much yeah because that like ah uh, that's like that's how i think mm-hmm. you know is this sort of like mix up of all of this mm-hmm. um and so the descriptions of it have been phenomenal yeah it, like with with rachel's you know vibration kind of thing like you can kind of mm. like I can feel like the shudders that are when she uses her power on dogs versus wolves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
yeah, you're going to say something else? Oh, yes. Well, I was going to say um, about the, like, the rhythm that's created, like, between the two siblings, mm-hmm. where there's, like, two different levels of the conversation where it's, like, they're having a verbal conversation, but then there's also this, like, whole power dynamic that's happening between their two. Yeah. Like, the where they're, yeah, where they're kind of, um, that, like, kind of provides this very clear, like, present image or, like, after image, I guess, of the childhood, you know, of, like, or I suppose, like, the, like, youth, you know, um, of both where they were kind of stuck. Yeah. In this in this terrible place to grow up, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what a what a dick to uh, nominate <laughs> your your brother to the slaughterhouse yeah, nine I know. just to uh, kill him. It's just an asshole. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, g- moving on. Uh, the next one that we're going to look at is um, the interview with Panacea and Bonesaw. Hmm, speaking um, of siblings. Yes. <laughs> on multiple levels here. So, uh, man, Panacea is. We're going to talk about her twice. We're going to talk about her here mm-hmm. and then later on, obviously, when she does the thing. Um, yeah. Or three times even. Um, so she has all these rules. You know, she's she feels ashamed that she's not healing uh, Mark, but she just mm-hmm. can't let herself. And she's already at this point where she's going to do it today or she feels like she's going to and then yeah. run away because she can't. She just can't face anything after that. Yeah. Um, and then Bonesaw Which shows up. It's difficult because, like, mm-hmm. she can't face herself. You know, yeah. so, like, running away is not going to help anything. Yeah, yeah. It's not like she can... She's not actually going to go into hiding. Like, yeah. you can't get away from... No. It's, sorry, Panacea. Not, <laughs> it's not happening. Your, your, your sister can fly. Come on. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but Bonesaw shows up and has these horrifying, horrifying monsters. That it's are... very, like, um, Sid mm-hmm. from yeah. Toy Story. Yes. Like, she is... Yes. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yes. Image. Um, Bonesaw makes Amy break her rules one by one, first mm-hmm. to use it to harm someone, then to use it to kill someone. Um, yeah. actually, does she, does she kill Murder Rat? I don't remember. I think so. Oh. Or does she just disable? I don't she, remember. She does have to kill Pagoda, the other one. Yeah. And then yeah. is forced to heal, uh, Mark's brain. And mm-hmm. that breaks her. She runs away. Uh, although Mark is immediately... Uh, Mark actually seems pretty cool here. Actually, yeah, he, he he's like, don't worry calm. about it. Yeah, he, like he seems to recognize how difficult it was yeah, for her, yeah. and doesn't. He's not, even though he's you know been through a horrible thing, right? Mm-hmm. He's been uh, he's been conscious and like unable to use his body for yeah. uh, what like a month, we uh, yeah, long, really long long time. weeks. Yeah, uh, it, with the expectation that it might last forever, and. Yeah. He's does he doesn't resent Panacea for taking so long, and that's yeah he seems pretty cool. Uh, anyway, so she she runs away, uh, and uh, Victoria chases after her, and Amy can't help herself. Uh, yeah. She she says Victoria stay away. Victoria doesn't, and she uses her power on her, and it's really dark and tragic. Yeah, yeah. I feel like she gets really like wrapped up in um like heredity i guess or like inherited mm-hmm. evil yeah because she's she's already stuck with this kind of like very black and white like you know good and evil um i guess like uh, uh structure of, of like you know morality that she's like played in like you know kind of embedded into her mind but then when she when she's thinking about like her own actions she she creates this kind of out for herself um mm-hmm. With her father, where she's like, oh, I'm bad because of him. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, she does a lot of, like, other denial also, but, like, that's kind of one of the first 
instances of it where she's like justifying to herself or or like not justifying but like kind of uh creating this this like feedback loop i guess yeah yeah um, we'll, we'll get more into that uh at the next horrible thing she does yes yes um, okay uh so we'll move on for, for now uh so the the rest of the nine also have interludes, um, which we won't get into as much, just because they're more separate and less like mm-hmm. uh, super thematic. I think. So we have Hookwolf uh, and Shatterbird, um, Burnscar and Labyrinth. Um, Labyrinth is fascinating in her own oh, way. Labyrinth is so yeah, and then uh, Diner's interlude with uh, Crawler and Noel. Yes, ah, Noel, what a question mark. What Very a question interesting. mark. What a question mark. And just yeah. the travelers themselves, they're quite a lot to think about. Yeah, they have a complicated, mysterious dynamic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Where they're like both like really tightly bound, mm-hmm. but then also like very loose mm-hmm. from each other. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. seem to not really like each other that much, but they don't associate with outsiders much at all. Mm-hmm. Um Sir during the miasma talks about how she hates being alone and now she feels totally alone and not alone. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. But okay. So wait, before we Mm -hmm. progress further into arc 12, I wanted to look at uh, kind of all of them as a whole, Mm -hmm. the sort of like introduction and choosing, um, of all of the, uh, choices. Wait, what is that term that they used? Uh, like, the candidates candidates yes yes the candidates um particularly um the moment where we like really it's only like cherish right that we see everybody mm-hmm. that she kind of like lists the epithets of everybody mm-hmm. yes um, yes i forgot yeah i should have pulled that out oh so i here i have it where it's like the buried girl the arrogant geek the dog lover the daydreamer the warlord the scaredy cat the broken assassin the crusader yeah um, so the, there's nine candidates right Mm-hmm. Nine epithets. One, two, three, four. Wait, no, eight. 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 So, yes. yeah, do you know who is who? Um. Okay, so the buried girl's Noel. Right. The arrogant geek is uh, Regent, I guess. The dog lover is Bitch. The daydreamer, Labyrinth. The warlord, mm-hmm. Hookwolf. The scaredy cat, scaredy... I guess maybe that's Amy? I think that would be my guest. The broken assassin... Wait, I forgot who everyone. Wait, hold on. It's O'Neely. I mean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because he's yeah, because mm-hmm. he gets killed by Jack. Um, I find it surprising he didn't end up choosing someone else, but. Yeah, well, I don't really. He's he's not. I don't know. He's more of he's not like a direct actor. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one. He's he's more of like he he sets up scenarios. You know, he's not mm-hmm. necessarily one that like participates in it as much as the other ones do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it makes more sense that he's the one that kind of, his candidate doesn't really last. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the crusader is arms master. Really? Yes. Well, I, I actually don't know. There's, there's three of them that I don't know. I, I thought the arrogant geek was arms master. Oh, interesting. But I, then again, I don't know who to apply the crusader and the warlord to. I'm sure some, I'm sure there's, there's someone who knows exactly who, who is who but i don't yeah. have that at my fingertips right now but mm. yeah interesting yes it was just just like you know like visually and and the way that this was like set up mm-hmm. uh so like the writing of it was like the whole tone of it was like very like wonderfully kind of laid out where it's like 
um, you know, the sort of, I, I know I talked about this before, this kind of calculated dance, you know, but it really mm-hmm. gets established between like the nine and, um, you know, the rest of the villains, the undersiders, the travelers, you know, um, at this point is like still everybody, you know, um, it'll be like later on when it, there's just kind of this, like, who knows what happened to what the other people were doing. Yeah. Um, but right now it's like, there's kind of this like opening of doors and window flaps, right. And just the right moments, you know, so we can, we, we have just just enough info to like know what was happening a little bit yeah. you know we we see the balls start rolling yeah. and even yeah. though we can only get like glimpses of them later on we can kind of imagine what they've been going through mm-hmm. yeah uh one little thing i think is worth mentioning is that taylor's not a nominee and yes. i think that's just really interesting right we we, we have two think... of the undersiders getting nominated so like they end up being central but i think mm-hmm. it's an intentional like <laughs> In in most stories, it's like obviously your your viewpoint characters can get nominated for something yeah. like this. Obviously, going to get sent on these trials, but she's not, and then she ends up being central to the conflict anyway because mm-hmm. she's protagonist. And but see, I Taylor... think that's why I think that's why she was not um, mm-hmm. because she is a sort of foil to Jack. You know, where like she has that she has that same sort of authority. You know, same sort of like assessing what the others are doing that he i feel like he recognized that and was like i don't i don't need somebody like that on my team because Hmm. she will challenge me interesting um and then we see that happen even when she wasn't nominated um yeah that's interesting i feel like by the end of this conflict she he really like starts thinking of her or something like that mm -hmm. like he if she had gone through a conflict like this and then jack had known all about it I think then he might have nominated her, right? I don't know. But yeah, I feel that's like a good... he would be cautious really, about it. Really interesting. Because he doesn't want he doesn't want people who will challenge him. He wants to be able to kind of manipulate the situation, manipulate the interpersonals of like all of these different, um, you know, all these different kind of you know chaotic killers, right? Um, yeah, it's also interesting. Like, I don't think I don't think Taylor would, would ever function on the slaughterhouse night because she's just so much more goal oriented yeah like that she she's way too like methodical in the way that she does things um like what would she be on the slaughterhouse nine like to do right like mannequin wants to torture tinkers and stuff um you know most of the other ones just want to cause terrible violence yeah like they're kind of like a blank check sort of thing you know yeah if if rachel was on there she'd want to uh you know just for the companionship but Mm -hmm. like what what could possibly draw taylor into the slaughterhouse nine like, why would she want to be there? Yeah. Other than friendship, I guess. But then they don't... Do they have friendship? I mean, I guess sort yeah. of. But not not in the same way that, like, the Undersiders do. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. Yeah, let's 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 get a move on. Um, arc 12. Arc 12, Plague, uh, in which the game begins. Um, mm-hmm. Which... Um, oh, we'll get to that in a second. So the <laughs> villains have a meeting. Um, the heroes are cooperating. Uh, the actual Nazi is leading the villains for the most part, yeah. Hochwolf. Um, yeah, so uh, there's a split forms with Coil not helping at all, and the Undersiders and Travelers mm-hmm. um, are basically forced to leave. So there's kind of like two alliances here, the alliances of uh, he- the heroes and the rest of the villains, who are, again, mostly Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Undersiders and Travelers. Um, when they leave... They start, you know, coming up with a plan, and they encounter the Slaughterhouse Nine. They encounter uh, Jack, Cherish, and Bonesaw. Mm-hmm. Um, Cherish calls Taylor the Worm, 
I feel like I wasn't expecting them to encounter themselves mm-hmm. like so much, so fast, I guess. Yes. I don't know. And they're you just so like, it. they're so fearless in their speaking. I don't know. Ah, so here is the quote. When I looked at her with my power before, I called her the worm. She spent some time being as low on the food chain as you can get while still being able to move under your own power, as low as someone can get while still having an identity of their own. But she's realized she's poisonous, dangerous in her own unique way. She's useful, like a silkworm we harvest or an earthworm who works our gardens. She's even realized she's not alone, so long as she, sh- so long as she looks for friends among other dirty, contemptible creatures. Mm. Speaking of which, I forgot to say hi, little brother. She smiled uh. and stared at me. The little worm found a nugget of self-worth. She just doesn't want to look too closely at what that nugget is made of. If she's lucky, she's one of the worms with the- worms without eyes. They might be keenly aware of their environment, but they're happier blind. Ooh. Mm. Cherish really likes her dramatic oh, flares. She's, oh, she's so dramatic, too. There's just, there's so much drama, you know, of she, all ha- of this. She learns, uh, she knows Latin, which she uses later. Yes. Uh, uh, I feel like all power, you know, like parahuman and, and superhero um, stories should be about villains. Because they're just <laughs> yeah. so dramatic and it's such fun, you know? Yes. <sighs> yes. So obviously there's a ton we could read into this quote. I think yes. we might hold on to it for later, for mm-hmm. another time. Um, something we should pull up again when we're... But I, I think it's, yeah, very accurate. Yeah. She's... Yeah, Taylor is not looking at what is making her feel good about herself right mm-hmm. now. And it's pretty bad, so... that's Actually, that's what I was thinking um, way earlier when she, like, there was a scene where she, like, is looking at herself in the mirror... Mm-hmm. I mean, she has this whole, like, musing about, like, what she used to do and how she, like, her her relation to her own, like, image and and um, and um kind of how how much of the first eight arc she was really thinking about how she was existing in space and how people were perceiving her and all of this. Um, and and now, like, the, she kind of has, like, placed that to the side um, and is kind of not not really dwelling on on the ways that she's changing. Mm-hmm. Um and she's just yeah. kind of, you know, she's just changing and not thinking about it. Um, mm. Which I yeah, think yeah. Earlier is... on, she was much more worried about like what she was kind of becoming. Mm-hmm. Like it, she was worried about how she was skipping school more and how that might, you know, build up a habit. And now she's just like, well, if I have to hurt someone or get someone killed, well, yeah, that's what I got to do. You know? Yeah. yeah, she's really the the kind of you know removing of her of her you know, uh, hangups, I guess you could say, um, when she came back into the undersiders, I think has, has really like yeah. changed <clears throat> her entire, you know, way of thinking. Yeah. I, I, I really trouble, I have trouble seeing her now worrying about rotting someone's genitals off, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, I, I think she'd just be like, oh, well, that yeah, was too, mm, bad. too I didn't, bad. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Oh, well. <sighs> yeah. So, uh, Jack uh, cuts Tattletail for mm-hmm. revealing Cherish's plan, which is super concerning. I, but I think for sure the first time I read this, I really thought, "Oh shit, is Tattletail going to fucking die right now?" Oh. Um, well, she. But... I feel like she keeps she keeps doing that. You know, <laughs> yeah. where it's like, "Ugh, I don't know. I can't tell." <laughs> oh yeah, but she's very resilient. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I in this dynamic, uh, I I don't think I, I was I wasn't necessarily expecting her to get slashed. Um, mm-hmm. But I was sort of expecting him um, to know about, like, the plot of of Cherish and mm-hmm, everything. Really? Well, he just, I don't know. He, like, he seems very, uh, he seems like one of those that's kind of, you know, 
willing to like let things play out you know yeah where we're like yeah i mean like we saw with you know theo it's like you he seems like he lets other people have control too but like he clearly does not he clearly likes to kind of watch the destruction and know that it's gonna happen yeah Um, also i'm gonna be honest it was a pretty bad plan Oh, hers, yeah. Cherishes, yeah. Cherishes, like, she I don't wanted know, to get them like, addicted she, to her. Like, like, these are people who, like, enjoy hurting. Yeah, like, like this I, isn't... I'm pretty sure if Jack, like, fell in love with a civilian, he'd still kill them. Like, yeah, like, they don't, I don't know. It does not. It doesn't seem yeah. like a very <laughs> thought out, thought out plan. Yeah. Um, oh, Shiri. Uh, uh, but... So... Uh, go ahead. Oh well, I wanted to mention before we uh, jump ahead is that um, in the in the villain meeting before mm-hmm. all of that happens, that um, the the dynamic of it isn't the same as as the last one, but it is interesting that that Quail already is kind mm-hmm. of like jumping in again yeah. um, and kind of setting things up the way that he wants. Even even if he's like, I mean, he kind of didn't really do like he didn't support the people that he was, you know, that he's backing now. But um, yeah, I want to point out. He he broke his promise again. No, I won't put you in the line of fire. Uh, he's he so said, exhausting. and then three arcs later, says, "Now, nah, fuck you guys. You you guys have to pretend. You, you guys have to continue to do my orders while I pretend to say that your orders are wrong. Yeah, that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Uh, yeah. But then it's also interesting too that he's like, "Oh, I have this whole thing set out. You know, I'm gonna like fake them out, tell them all this, and then she's kind of like Taylor, just kind of." throws a wrench in his plans you know Mm -hmm. where she's like i'm not gonna sit here and take this yeah um which i i don't know i mean they're they they're opposing forces but not in the same way that that um tattle or not in the same way that taylor and jack are like there's there's like a different sort of opposition yeah um and I don't know what he thinks about this whole situation. Like, yeah, does he you know notice? What, what I'm going to say is a, a theory of that particular meeting mm-hmm. um, is that he he split the timeline and in one he said, no, the Undersiders are totally all right uh, in taking territory. And in the yeah. other one he said, no, they're not. And that one just turned out better. Oh. And that's the one we see. Uh, that's my guess. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah, I keep forgetting that he could do that any, yeah. any at any time. And he, that he does. Yeah, yeah, that he does. One uh, one other thing, and just, the Undersiders keep getting out of horrible situations, and part of it is because the other situation in which they died was the one that Coyle destroyed. Mm, yeah. So, although we don't really, he, he doesn't seem to interfere enough, you know, like, yeah, he's, it, it's kind of hard to like, see very, like, that specific influence. in his interventions yeah, like when they go fight the slaughterhouse nine uh, the first time later like we don't see a thing from coil going hold it and wait 10 minutes mm-hmm. and then he does it or whatever or not we, yeah. yeah we don't yeah etc etc okay uh, the last thing uh, on the section is that um tattletail and and skitter kind of work together to bait the slaughterhouse nine into a game mm-hmm. rather yes. than their normal nominations Jack thinks it's super fun. They worry about making it fair. Uh, and yeah, they're rated into doing this game thing, yeah. which is uh, pretty spooky. Although it's really interesting to see how the game lasts like the rest of this arc and that's it. Yeah. Like it does not. I, I really thought that it was going to be extended. Yeah. But it, we only really see the game with Mannequin and Burnscar. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then it falls apart pretty quickly with them trying to kill them. 
with the yeah, the I villains trying to kill the, well, the snake. Yeah. Especially also because there were so many stipulations about like all of the candidates, you know, and then like the game they kind of set up with the undersiders and the travelers and and the nine, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like I, I guess that that was my other thing too of like we don't really know what like what the rest of the villains were planning or any of this like they just kind of get like left to the wayside a bit yeah yeah Yeah. it's a very much a travelers and undersiders and coil thing yeah 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 uh so at the end of this we at the end of the conversation jack says that chatterbird's about to sing Mm -hmm. and taylor runs she runs across the city uh to get to her father she's just running no other way of transportation and all along the way, she's warning people with her bugs the best way that she can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, like, super desperate. It's uh, super there's desperate. this timer going down. Oh, it's so intense. Um, yeah, absolutely. She gets there basically just in time to for the, for the explosion. Mm-hmm. Uh, her father uh, is slightly injured, but not horribly. And uh, medics show up from, from Poyle. And that's another example of her identity just eroding away. Yeah. And then she leaves again. Um Ending the chapter with the lines, fuck all of this, fuck the Nine, fuck Shatterbird, fuck Jack, fuck Leviathan, fuck Coil, fuck Hookwolf, fuck me, most of all. Which is <sighs> fun. What a what a place to end it. Yes. But the, the like the moment of rushing, um, is so oh, it's so fascinating. Because you know, like we're rushing along right you know, like right alongside her and and there's just so much that she's doing in that like really concentrated moment. Um and then it's also interesting too because this this is the, like kind of the catalyst. I mean, even more so, I I would say than than the like establishing of the game is that this is when the the pace of the rest of this book really like this this sets the tone of the pace, I guess. Um, yeah. But there's not really there's not a moment to rest after this. Yes. Um, that they're just kind of proceeding, you know, forward, kind of tumbling along. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other thing I want to focus on here is that this is the last moment we see Danny in the in this section. Mm-hmm. Um, so we only had two encounters of Danny. Uh, the one tiny conversation they had, which was like so awkward and and tense. And here she just does enough to. I mean, she she cares about him a lot, right? She runs across the city to save him specifically, right? Yeah, yeah. But she leaves, and it, it it pains her, but she also doesn't really do that much now or later i mean granted for the rest of the arc she's kind of a little bit busy for, yeah, for the rest yeah. Of the, she's just the you know she's I get it. off doing things you know but before yeah it's yeah. yeah she 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 not only doesn't want to you know reconnect she just doesn't want to like talk to him at at all yeah yeah she wants him to be safe but not much else yeah well it's just kind of he's he's also like very like he's also kind of like an embodiment i guess of of her civilian identity that she's kind of, you know, tossing aside, you know, mm-hmm. throughout this t- this time, I think, because she's so, like, singularly focused on, like, trying to achieve all these goals that she's set for herself. Um, mm-hmm. She hasn't really left any room to kind of process that. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, so she, she gets back to her territory where everyone's been... Uh, shatterbirded which mm-hmm. again the entire fucking city like that's, that's so many people yeah yeah you have to just imagine how many people are just straight up dead right now it's yeah just, yeah people wearing glasses people with phones in their pockets Ugh, it's uh, yeah like uh, i mean also or, like the mm-hmm. i mean the human loss is like horrific um but then additionally just like thinking about 
the, yeah. the like the logistics of after that. Yeah. You know, like they're already dealing with this huge emergency, like the aftermath of a huge emergency situation um, with uh, Leviathan. Yeah. And then now they're like, there's, there's just so much loss happening to the city. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It, it says that Shadowbird likes to announce her arrival into a city by doing this. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder how many cities are just yeah, like, windowless now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she gets there and she starts directing people to, um, to, to, to prioritize, you know, the most grievously wounded and mm-hmm. ordering people around and stuff. And, uh, this is where we really hit on that recurring beat of Taylor really hating her authority being questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so it happens here with this old lady with, uh, gray hair and Taylor characterizes her really meanly, right? Mm-hmm. Tries to really pull her down, says that she's a bully, basically, just because she dares to question Taylor's medical knowledge. And it's like, yes, on one hand, she is being pretty annoying, right? Just one part where Taylor brings the hydrogen peroxide, because that's that's what she has. And the woman's like, oh, hydrogen peroxide, that's not Uh, useful. hmm. It's like, come on, lady, come on, come on. This is not the time to complain about what we have. This is not not the time to be splitting hairs. Yeah. Then again, she doesn't know what Taylor's power is. So also taylor's like trying to be theatrical still here she's like pretending to produce the stuff out of thin air I out know. of bugs ah, it's like, she's, ah, she's so dramatic this is not the time but uh anyway there's there's a a part there it's like this lady probably does have more medical knowledge than you taylor yeah, maybe you yeah. should listen to her rather than just like it, it it is bad for the situation for her authority to be questioned because mm-hmm. you know people listening to her and and not you know going into chaos is is better however that doesn't mean that everything you're saying is correct taylor yeah so. it's she she just she wants her authority to be like total i guess and i mean yeah. it's like what i was saying before is like we see that we see that her like we see the side of it where she's questioning her actions and like seeking appreciation and all of this but like to them she's like she's presented this front of like being having everything under control and all of this and like having the supplies and having you know, the ability to maintain that control. And so I think she has like very immediate frustration of having any of that questioned, especially because she's trying so hard and so fast um, yeah. to make sure that her authority like sticks and stays. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what she should be doing here is not uh, just, you know, giving out all, all the orders, right? And it's not the other side where she should have just like shut up and like, you know, give given up or something, yeah. right? It is it, she is doing good by you know making the situation under control. Mm-hmm. What she should have done is like ask the crowd, "Is there a doctor here?" Yeah, yeah, doctor. Uh, what I mean, should she, we be like, doing? At the same time, she's like she's fifteen, you know. I mean, there's par yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's paramedics here, right? So like ask. That's very true. Like ask the paramedics. I don't know. I feel like it's 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 like somebody pretending to be an expert when the experts are like in the room, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she should, yeah, she should have privately asked the paramedics, hey, what should people be doing right now? What What, what is something you would want everyone here to know mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. And then I will tell them and make them do it. <sighs> I mean, we're armchair disaster uh, relieving, but still. Yeah, yeah. Very very true, very true. Um, okay, let's, uh, well, the, the next thing that happens is that mannequin shows up and... Yes. Uh, starts killing people including that that woman mm-hmm. in a pretty horrific way and uh taylor has to use her power creatively to uh fight back yeah yes and it's so creative this fight this fight 
this fight. I <laughs> it was so cool. It was so fucking cool. Like ah ah, I had so, ah, I got so excited about this. Um, cause like her fighting style is like so like tenacious and and like she's bringing all these things in and and like you know thinking about like she's making all these in the moment adjustments to like her methods her accessories like her plans all of this you know where she's like thinking about you know she needs like a clock and like the like you know it's like uh before when she was thinking about like things to add to her utility belt utility belt you know Mm -hmm. it's like she's always thinking about how to make things better and like how to how to kind of like rework the way that she fights and and you know we see her reasoning through and kind of working out finding those those points of like weakness within this you know like impenetrable um you know opponent um and then also there's this whole thing of like she can be so like nonchalant sometimes mm-hmm. you know where or, or like and also self-deprecating like it's all kind of mixed up um yeah 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 i, I also just like the the aftermath of this in jackson's flute mannequin shows up and he's covered in paint I know, missing so, ah the image it's head. just yeah uh, i had an arm so she takes yeah 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 oh uh, also also before we sorry mm-hmm. there's this there was a particular line too that was that i really liked was the telltale sign of impalement like where she was thinking to herself where she's like oh i feel this the telltale sign of impalement um which is mm-hmm. like i mean terrible and like but it was just a funny way of saying it and i loved it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Ah, that's just like my linguistic mind being all excited. Like the Absolutely. the phrase um pell mell. Mm-hmm. Um this is totally an aside, but I was I was literally like a couple of weeks ago lamenting the fact that I had not, you know, encountered the phrase pell mell in a while and I was <laughs> I missed it, you know? And then it was yeah. here twice. It was so exciting. <laughs> <sighs> this is why I love talking about parents. <laughs> Um, okay. But anyways. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so we have uh, Jack's interlude mm-hmm. where uh, they show up to the merchant's party, which is, again, they're being just ridiculous. Um, and yeah. uh, they are annihilated, annihilated in a gruesome and terrifying manner by the Slaughterhouse yeah, Nine. they are. Um, I mean, we open with Skidmark getting blended mm-hmm. and it gets worse from there. Uh, there's a part where Slaughter... Where the Siberian has people stacked on her arms like yeah. a kebab. It's just, ah. it's just, just so much. Yeah, and um, Jack um, uses on carrots and sticks, which mm-hmm. I think it was first introduced when in Rachel's interlude. Actually, the oh, first was it Rachel? Time we I can't remember that. if it was Rachel or uh, Dinah talking about coil. Um, I think it was. I think it was Rachel with uh, the her, one of her uh, foster mothers mm. always. The stick, never the carrot. Yes, yes. Because I knew I knew I'd heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how he thinks about himself and the way that he sets up everything. And, like, particularly, particularly the, like, how he uses what he observes to make them act in particular ways and patterns mm-hmm. and, like, that he catalogs. Like, he's very, he's very thorough. He's very exacting in the way that he, you know, like, those keystones that he identifies and how he kind of sets up all of these like you know uh like you know pathways to kind of get there um and and i mentioned this also like there there was multiple different instances of like of like um parahumans you know needing to kind of exact control or not not exact like requiring control over others you know like Mm -hmm. who does like desire control over control over others like namely um 
namely Regent and Cherish. Um, but there's other, like with Coil and everything, um, which that that is like a sort of pattern for some of them, like for some of the parahumans of like this like violation of intimacy. Um, yeah. And and I yeah. suppose his is like a little bit different because he like sets things up so that when they fall, everything will fall apart. You, you know, I think there's a theme developing here that we see a lot of different methods of manipulation and controlling other people mm-hmm. and leading. I don't know if leading is quite the right word, but, yeah. you know, we have Bakura's, um, you know, fear and and or just fear is, is a way to control people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coyle says that the way to control people is to find what they need and to make sure that they're desperate mm-hmm. to get what you can provide. And Jack is... This, these sticks and carrots balancing these things yeah and i'm sure there's others yeah i think definitely like leadership uh tactics mm-hmm. which i feel like also could be a discussion of uh power um which yeah. it always comes back to power of course of course <laughs> but um yeah yeah definitely i i want to put a tech in that yes or a pin um, i don't know uh, either one the next uh is a batteries interlude so she bought her powers, mm-hmm. and uh, but so we we see how you know she went to to Cauldron to get powers and how that whole thing goes out, which is all fascinating and stuff. Yes, and um, we see another trigger uh, um, vision with her, and uh, at the end, Cauldron is calling in a favor. She's supposed to let Shatterbird and Siberian uh, exit the city. Mm-hmm. Yes, Battery's interlude is really an interesting one. Um. Because she's she's the first, like, information uh, besides that kind of, like, you know, uh, like, few different papers, I guess, of um, about, like, Case 53s and the Nemesis, Pro- Nemesis Project and all of that um, from the Merchant Party. Um, mm-hmm. That this is kind of, like, one of the first moments where we, like, really see Cauldron, I guess. Um, yeah. Which is, it's a really interesting kind of... Uh, intro into that i guess not particularly intro but um <clears throat> yes i don't know it's it it also seems like that they 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 set up a different sort of debt than coil even though it's like a little bit similar i guess um where it's like you provide we provide sort of thing i don't know yeah it, it made me wonder particularly um when they singled out shatterbird and siberian of like they have to leave the city instead of yeah oh i i guess i was just wondering they're the amount of control they have over each like produced parahuman mm-hmm. or like how like how many tabs they keep i guess on everybody that they create yeah i really wonder why particularly siberian and shatterbird like i'm surprised that it's not jack you know hmm. just because i mean he seems the most important out of them yeah oh well i guess i assumed that that um siberian and shatterbird were were from were like were produced in in culture mm-hmm. And then, like, the other ones okay. weren't. Um, I don't... I'm just going to say okay, because ah, I don't know how else ah, to respond. <laughs> darn. <laughs> because I I don't think that's confirmed or denied in this part of the text. No, it's so. not. Alas. Well, I mean, Siberian is... Yeah, that's true. We William know Manton. Mm-hmm. So, presumably, he got it in the vial. Yeah. But, yeah. Which is so. also, like, very fascinating that all of these, like, stables, you know, of parahumans did not you know did not have a trigger event but instead got it from a vial and that you they're... mean like th- by staples you mean like oh uh, like i mean manton for the manton limit yes mm-hmm. that makes sense but what do you mean by uh, like with legend uh, and all the others oh okay you know yeah yeah the 
the the triumvirate, the, yeah, the most yeah, powerful the people, people who are in power. Yeah. Yes. 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 Hmm. They are all part of this. Yes. Yeah. Shadowy secret thing. Hmm. All right. Um, okay. Let's let's keep on going. Onward. Um, and we could talk about um, assault and batteries uh, relationship, which hilarious name um but <laughs> that's so funny i think we just don't have enough time yeah so. which is sad they, they... yes ah. so uh then we have uh arc 13 snare in which the villains attack and counterattack. Mm-hmm. um but it's not the final battle so uh we start off with uh aisha or imps interlude um which is also really fascinating so we can talk about imp a little bit here yeah um her power is interesting uh, that it's something she has to not think about. Yeah. Um, it's, it's default state is on and mm-hmm. she uses her power to turn it off. Um, we see her mom is, uh, a mess. She's pregnant and, and doesn't know how to feel about that considering her mom is not going to stop doing drugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah there's quite yeah. the, quite the whole thing happening there. Um, but it also, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's such a terrible power. To like yeah, and it's be... it seems nefarious. It, it, she describes that it's if she doesn't pay attention to it for a while, she can feel it like building up to something, and then mm. when before it, it can get to where whatever point that is, she notices it and it goes away. Yeah, very mysterious. I don't know. I feel like it's it's one of those that's that's so like you know it, it's a difficult one to like live with, I guess. You know, and and. Yeah. I don't know. It, it like embodies her life more than, like more than some of the other powers, I guess, mm-hmm. of like feeling invisible and then suddenly being forgotten. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, uh, just very. I don't. I don't know. It just. It's it. That's such a horrible thought to like have to actively think, you know, so that your loved ones to to, like, to exist in other people's minds. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Hmm. Also, at the same time, not being perceived. That sounds wonderful. But I feel like it would. <laughs> become very lonely yeah you know i'm gonna hold to that that's that's <laughs> my side introverts right guys yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah so it during the interlude I, I forgot to write this down but it is relevant she goes to the slaughterhouse nine to go and kill yes. them oh so my she's god already feels like prepared to do that which is kind of crazy um considering she's what like 14 yes something oh like my that? god like I, 13? I i totally forgot also like um, before, like, I didn't really take note, I think, before this book that the Travelers were also teenagers. So it's just, oh, like, yeah. two groups of teenagers who, yeah. and especially, like, right after the villain meeting where they get kicked out and mm-hmm. and they're just kind of, you know, going along, you know, chatting, and then suddenly they're encountering the Nine. And then they're just, like, fearlessly having a chat, yeah. you know, and then, and then Taylor goes and, like, fights Mannequin, and then now Aisha's, like, out here ready to, like, it's just... The bravery of this kid of these kids yeah. is just is so much. It's so much. Yeah, I I would hold for me almost always when I picture all these characters, I picture them like almost always like two years older than they actually are. Yeah, but, but not not any more than that. Like they, they still do feel like teenagers. Yeah. If I were if I were to just like mix up their ages, I'd probably just like add two years and be like, yeah, that's good. Well, it's yeah. like yeah. they're still trying to figure stuff out. Like you yeah. you see, especially with the interpersonal stuff, mm-hmm. is yeah. that they're just kind of trying to attempt to you know kind of navigate that but especially the like fighting and and all of that and Mm -hmm. and what they have to deal with you just it's just 
So much, so much for for children. Yes. Ah. So yeah, uh, imp, you know, stabs bone saw. It doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a setup of how defended they are. But her power is so good that they just kind of go back to normal, which is just it, her power works how stealth works in video games, which is hilarious yeah, to me. Yeah. Where uh, they they basically go like must have been the wind, and then go back to do what they were doing, which is bah. yeah, fascinating. Um, but okay, so uh, we we go back into Taylor's perspective mm-hmm. where they decide to go on the offensive. Uh, Taylor is, or there, there's another fight with with Mannequin and Fire, and <clears throat> um, they talk to Panacea, um, but it it all resolves with Taylor deciding to that, that the way to do this is not to wait for the game to be played; it's to go out and kill them themselves, yeah, to fight on their own terms. So they they go out and they make this plan. Um. um. um yeah, on the way, let's talk about that first, I think. Um, there's this beat of mm, Taylor yeah. looking at the others and seeing how they deal and prepare for this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Actually, I'm not sure if this is actually this particular moment, but sometime in this area, yeah. I think. When um, she's in the van with them and uh, looks at Trickster, sees yes. like he's like staring out the window, um, that, that everyone is, yeah. Yeah, where she's kind of like thinking, she's like, ah, oh, these, these are how, like, this is how everyone copes. Um it was, um, and then, you know, after she kind of, like, observes everybody, she, like, sits down and starts, like, cataloging, um, which, she does this a lot. Like, she does this all the time, in the midst of battle, like, everything. She's always, like, thinking about and kind of creating her own database in her head. Um, yeah. We've got Worm called it Taylor's Toolbox, and I think that's mm-hmm. a, a worthy term to, to keep in mind. Um it's not just her own tricks and stuff like that, though that is included. Like, it's her equipment, it's the tricks she's learned, and it's the people that are around yeah. her that she can use. Yeah, she, like, makes lists. She keeps, like, a running evaluation of, like, yeah. how to maximize usefulness for everybody. Like, um, when they're trying to kind of, you know, negotiate with uh, Panacea later, she's, like, lamenting in her head about... She's like, oh, she could be so cool. Like, she could do all yeah. these things. If I had her power. Yeah, like, ah. Uh. Um, and then she doesn't She doesn't really think quite as much about, like, the emotional side of, like, the interpersonal relations. She just mm-hmm. thinks about them in, like, the ramifications of, you know, like, what will that lead to? Like, what's going to happen? How do I kind of navigate that in order to keep them doing what I need them to be doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the 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 plan begins. Um, they are able to capture Shatterbird and Cherish, but in the process, they lose Gru, mm-hmm. and then later on, they regent Shatterbird. Yeah, it's very um, her her uh, her offensive, her like calculated recklessness. Um, she she creates these plans, you know, and she like she doesn't really think. I think about the the like ramifications or like significance. I guess or like she doesn't think about other possibilities yeah once she has decided what she's doing um that's what she's going to do and she doesn't think about like the the possible danger sometimes she's just kind of like this this could work this is what needs to happen and we don't like we we just won't consider what could happen um yeah and i think this is one of those moments that kind of fails her in this yeah because she puts brian in the you know line of her planning i yeah. guess you know and then um obviously that backfires a lot um yeah and he brought up the whole thing about noticing how fast she was moving and all this like all the changes in in behavior that she was doing um mm-hmm. and then kind of accusing her of of being manipulative um 
which she like she kind of is you know like yeah she knows how to like talk to people and and get people to do what she wants them to do and like i feel like her battle tactic she she doesn't acknowledge that she's manipulative yeah like, she doesn't think about it she thinks it's just like the way that her her logic works you know and yeah. she's kind of rationalized <clears throat> she's kind of rationalized in her head of like you know this is just what needs to happen um yeah but um there's this beat here during during that about rationalization where um and it, this is i think this is like the second and the three beat of her ordering sundays for the kill people mm-hmm. yeah um yeah. So I, I can't remember how many times that this happens in this arc, but there's at least one time where um, Sundancer is like, no, I can't do that. That could kill someone. Mm-hmm. And then in this, uh, Taylor says, use your orb on the nine and there's people around. And Sundancer asks, are there people around? And Taylor says, no. Mm-hmm. And Sundancer, yeah. <laughs> Taylor orders Sundancer to accidentally kill people. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, they were probably goners. Like Bonesaw had their ha- her hands on them, to be fair. But, like, Taylor's totally taking away Sundancer's ability to make a choice in that. Yeah. And it makes Sundancer into a murderer. She makes... She she does a lot of, like, shifting the blame to other people. Like, she makes a lot of, like, indirect death happen, you know? Yes. Where she's, like, prioritizing somebody or, like, she's like, I have to save this person so this other person has to die, you know? There's, like, other people non-savable, like the ones here, where she's, like, she's deemed them non-savable, you know? Already. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. So, uh, Gru is, is captured and, and they then have cherished and they kind of talk about, they, they, they talk with her, uh, and she needles them. And there's this moment here where Taylor just kind of beats the shit out of Cherish, mm-hmm. um, to the point that Coyle has to reprimand her. And it's really interesting because the, Taylor's narration is like so cold and not angry, yeah. right? It's yeah. just like, it just says, I kicked her in the face. And you, we can see in her words a little bit, like she says, I hope Bonesaw reinforced your teeth. And Cher says yes. And then Taylor kicks her in the face again. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. quite a lot. And it's so yeah. like, I don't know. She like, she gets really calculated in, in when, like when she conducts violence sometimes, like, and she didn't yeah. used to, like it used to be more of like um, an emotional response, you know, like a, like a physical manifestation of anger. Um, yeah. But now it's like getting more calculated. Um, yeah. Which is ominous. Yes. Uh, the next beat here is Taylor trying to get the protectorate to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't. And it's really, really frustrating. Uh, the main thing here, I want to pull out this this quote. Uh, Taylor or Legend asks Taylor, are you a hero? Where, where do you see yourself on the sliding scale of hero and villain, good and evil? And then Taylor responds, all of the above, none of the above. Does it matter? Some of us wear the villain label with pride because they want to rebel because they want to rebel against the norms, because it's a harder, more rewarding war road to travel, or because being a hero often means so very little. But few people really want to see themselves as being bad or evil, whatever label they wear. I've done things I regret, I've done things I'm proud of, and I've walked the roads in between. The sliding scale is a fantasy. There's no simple answers. So this is really complex. It is. Because it's really quite different um than what she had going before but i think it's also she's just really kind of like divorced herself from from those those um boundaries and and you know like strictures that she set up before that she was kind of trying to fit into uh but i don't know it it was interesting too because legend says that like skitters is this like notorious villain Mm -hmm. where and then like 
really out of the protectorate only only dragon really is the only one who like is considering anything beside like they everyone else is so like clean cut and like they're so yeah they're so like stuck in the ways that they thought that the world worked mm-hmm. um yeah I don't know. It, there's there's two sections here that i think are worthy like are have there's there's different things to look into mm-hmm. so the first um is not the sliding scale but it's this she says being a villain, it's a harder and more rewarding road to travel. Yeah. Which is just like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Taylor? Like, how is that more like, rewarding? What does she like, think the heroes in, are doing? And, like, it's it's harder now, mm-hmm. right? With the Slaughterhouse Nine and everything. But, like, could you, would it have fair at all to say it during the Undersiders just doing crime sprees? No, no, it's not. It, it, like they were doing it for funsies to get money. Yeah, like yeah. it's not harder or more rewarding at that point. So what are you talking about, Taylor? Like you're just—it's just a justification for being a villain right now. You're just trying to be mean to them. <sighs> now the notion of being a hero often means so very little. Valid in your lived experience, for sure, Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With with arms master and everything, but like. You don't know what it's like to be a ward. It's very hard, and it's somewhat rewarding. Yeah, she gets yeah. she gets very stuck in her own like perspective. Yeah, and I don't even think she truly believes that all the time. She, I don't think she does. She feel rewarded right now. Yeah, like she's constantly she's, lamenting how people don't thank her. Uh, she, yeah, she like continuously is like upset that no one is saying thank you. No one is showing that appreciation. Yeah, so. Bah. And then the other, of course, the sliding scale is a fantasy. I think that's a powerful statement. I think kind of a thesis of Worm mm-hmm. is, you know, everything's, th- there's no simple answers. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that's something to keep in mind as we go on. Absolutely. Did you want to talk about the protectorate bit you have there? Um, um, uh, so we can talk a little bit more about morality that, you know, this is the major theme of this book in particular mm-hmm. is figuring out, you know, what kind of morality we should be looking at and what kind of morality skitter's looking at yeah so uh, something clear to us is that the protectorate here in this moment right refusing to help villains just because they're villains and panacea later are kind of being ridiculous sticking to these rules and labels in a situation that like needs a new set of rules and labels yeah they're really they're really attached to the way that it was working before and they they're so like they think that it still exists you know and so they're acting in accordance to that you know yeah they're like being very something, like oh sorry go ahead something that occurs to me is you know if you compare this to the leviathan fight right mm-hmm. during leviathan it becomes clearly it's parahumans versus endbringer there's no yeah there's precisely. no heroes and villains here yeah and in this situation we're keeping the villain label while we're facing something just another class s threat mm-hmm. the slaughterhouse nine but we're still keeping yeah, it divided like, oh, rather no, than making like... it parahuman versus mass murderer yeah like they really don't want to work together at all and they're like off doing their own thing and they don't listen in in their i don't know it's just they seem to be like causing more harm than good by being so like sanctimonious and about not collaborating and all of this yeah is that they fall right into the trap of of taking the time to think out the plan and you know make the same mistake that other people had made yeah um, so then they do the counterattack without the protectorate mm-hmm. and they are, end up being captured by the nine. They see how Gru has been horrifically tortured. Yeah. There's that line from Taylor, which sticks in my memory. Oh, Brian, um, Taylor refuses to mercy kill Brian. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they lose pretty damn badly and it looks like everyone is going to die. 
So I want to ask mm. is like, would it have been the right thing to kill Gru here? Because Panacea is in the city, technically, mm -hmm. right? But they'd still have to move him, and he's in unimaginable pain right now. His organs are outside of his body. Oh, it's so, it's so um, much. It's such a visual. There's, it's kind of a ridiculous idea to think that Bonesaw would have fixed him. That's, no, yeah. that's not gonna happen even if you threaten her like no mm. taylor come on so it's only by basically deus ex machina that one he's able to get back to normal and two mm. that they don't all die yeah yeah um it i mean when i say deus ex machina it's not like a criticism it's just like taylor didn't expect it at all yeah yeah so which i feel like yeah she should have expected something you know like mm -hmm. it's bone saw like they i don't know i feel like she she just gets so stuck in like her her what i was talking about before where she like she gets so stuck in like thinking that she did the right thing um and i feel like this is like one yeah. of those cases where she like she sticks to her decision only because it is her decision you know yeah and this is i mean this grew being here is kind of her fault it is absolutely like, not completely her fault. but it, yeah it was her plan and she kind of refuses to take responsibility for that yeah. I, I mean at the very least she should be she morally probably should let that enter her mind and think about it and worry about it. Like, I, like, I don't understand. Like, and feel bad about yeah, it. Yeah. Why is she, she not doesn't. dwelling on this? Yes. Uh. She doesn't, she doesn't think about it at all until he yells at her. And then she uses that opportunity to, to throw that away for a different reason. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, if it would be the right thing to like, you know, mercy kill him or like not kill him all of this, but I don't know. It, it's definitely something that, you know, her fault needs to be acknowledged. Like she needs to acknowledge what she did. Yeah, you can you can find yourself back to a you know accepting you know responsibility and getting over it. Mm -hmm. But but you got to feel a little bit bad about these things. Yeah, like yeah. Before you get back to yeah. Um. So actually, just to skip ahead a bit, mm -hmm. uh, there's that part where Brian you know yells at her for getting her in that getting him in that situation, mm -hmm. and he accuses her of manipulation of basically making setting up these situations where she's the only one that can help things yeah and yeah. kind of like throwing everyone else you know into terrible situations um and setting things up so only her plan is the only viable one and so you know he yells at her and taylor is just it, this is one part where i think like even in my first reads mm -hmm. like i i i'm Definitely on my second one, I hope on my first, saw that Taylor is just being a complete just asshole here. Yeah. Like, she's just so, so selfish. He, he, he yells at her about these things and she's like, oh, how dare he, you know, be mean to me after this. And it's like, he got tortured so badly yeah, yeah. that like, he went through his second trigger event. <sighs> like, what? You can't think about yourself right now, Taylor. I know that you're hurt, but like, be a slightly bigger person like step up and just get over it yeah she she gets jealous that brian triggered over aisha and not her wh wh why like, uh, <laughs> like like aisha is his sister you're his like quasi romantic interest what are you talking about i don't know it was just it was such a... She's a mess. It was such Ugh. a mess. And then I feel like it was exacerbated by the detail that she, like, she, when she's talking, like, okay, so first first of all, like, she usually is, like, very attentive to how she responds to people, mm -hmm. and, like, she's really, like, aware of the nuances of, like, conversations. Um, but then in mm -hmm. this one, she, like, takes her context out while he's talking, mm -hmm. 
so that she can't see his expressions while he's talking and like they're fighting. Yeah, she has and... an excuse for it. She has a rationalization for it. I know, but, but like yeah. she's rationalized well, to herself. But yeah. if you t- like yeah. step back and it's like in the middle of a fight, she takes out her contacts and they can't make you know eye contact where they're reading each other. Like like she she has like stepped back emotionally from this conversation in that act. You know, I don't know. Yeah. She like she it just this this whole situation i think demonstrates how much her interpersonal communication is is developed in when it's a prelude to action or like when she's cataloging people like that sort of thing like she ha- she she's able to see people's uses but like she doesn't have the emotional fortitude yet or mm-hmm. to like she's not like mature enough i think to understand and like support i don't know she like she gets so wrapped up in other yeah. things yeah yeah i just Brian basically goes, you, he accuses her of manipulating the situation to, 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 that ended up in getting him tortured, right? Yeah. And she's not like, I'm really sorry. Yeah, you know, she, I didn't do she's that. Not I'm like really super, sorry. She's oh my no, gosh. No. Her response is, how dare you? Yeah, like, golly. How, how dare you be upset that my actions ended up with you having your organs removed from your body? <sighs> Not to mention that she would have died had it not been for his second trigger. Yeah, uh, uh, she's this, so this she's so one, frustrating in this moment. Yeah, yeah, it's this is I think this is just one one particular location in the story that you can point at and, and just like unapologetically un un uh, erringly just say Taylor you you're really fucking this up right here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, this is this is one point in the story where you do not have to be fair to her at all mm. because it's not she's she's not doing good. Okay. Um, Goodness. All of that said, let's 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 onward, move on. Onward. So it well actually we'll move on by going back. So mm-hmm. uh, during that torture thing, which was actually a really cool scene in, in, in so many ways. What? Um, but uh, Bone Saw reveals some information on the passengers, yes. uh, which is um, something that hooks into the parahumans um, Corona. Gamma, I think it's called the uh, in the Corona Palencia. Mm-hmm. So she talks about trigger events, and we also see one more trigger with Brian. So it's the third one that we see during this book. Um, so yeah, what did you think of all this? Yes. Oh, so interesting. So interesting. Also interesting that she knows this. I mean, that she's mm-hmm. kind of like. I mean, her research methods are definitely unethical. Um, but it's really interesting <laughs> to know because <laughs> um, I want to know. I want to know. I don't even know the the word to use of like who or what or whatever i don't know whatever they are these things these like flapping dual phenomena you know and like why are they why are they becoming passengers in all these parahumans like what are they doing like what sort of motivation do they have there i don't know there's so many there's so many like large scale things that the the motivations are are unknown and ambiguous yes <sighs> i feel like they may have something to do with the end that Dinah knows about, but also, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. There's so many questions. Yes. Mm. Uh, the next uh, thing is um, a Pigo's interlude. Uh, we Pigo. see Siberian uh, killing hero, um, case uh, 001, or probably not. Oh, anyway. <laughs> and uh, she's got these mountains of paperwork, especially now that Shadowbirds destroyed all the computers. Oh um, my gosh, I she's... totally, I did not make that connection. Oh, um, really? I don't know. I don't think yeah. about what's glass. Things are just things. <laughs> well, it's it's not just glass. It's it, she also can do it to, to silicon. So oh, all the oh, silicon chips mess. inside. Oh, yeah. what a mess! Yes, yes. What a headache! What a headache! Probably the only things that like weren't destroyed are 
anything that was like inside a soundproof vault, yeah. but that's it. So, yeah. Mm. Um, so Pigot is basically a human being mm-hmm. in a world of demigods. This is like really shown when she's walking next to Legend, who's not only, you know, Legend, but he's like really attractive and fit and tall yeah yeah and everything and he, like he's probably like floating I, I picture him not walking but floating everywhere so i don't know if that actually is true but that's what i picture and you know she's uh overweight and not that attractive and just tired <laughs> she's just, yeah she's overwhelmed so she's kind of has to end up being cruel and unfaltering and etc mm-hmm. so yeah she's really yeah. kind of stuck in this this like in between state um because mm-hmm. she's she's both forced to, you know, kind of deal with the chaos of everything and mm-hmm. kind of take the brunt of it, even though she she doesn't have the ability to... She only has the ability to tell people to do things, you know? Yeah. Like, they have the agency to go and, like, do the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the same time, she's also, like, dealing with the fact that she's the one having to kind of, pretend, like, uh, present the situation to everyone else. Like, I, I didn't really think about, you know, that everyone else is watching, you know, the they're, like, the watching yeah. public, right? But, like, they're out there watching whatever's happening. Um, And she's... Yeah, and another thing is just how um, so many other departments and stuff just, like, keep giving more problems to the PRT. Like, anything Mm. that's related to powers and everything is related to powers ends up being her responsibility in the city. Yeah, she's really... She has so much to contend with. It's also interesting, Mm -hmm. too, that she, like... They're, they're, everyone else is concerned about like this, like breaking the unspoken rule about like around capes and like the truce with the nine and all this. Like they're all worried about this, and she's kind of like, "Well, I'm not really part of that, mm-hmm. so it doesn't count, or like it doesn't matter." So it doesn't or I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was a interesting yeah. sort of reasoning there. Mm-hmm. Uh, between the wards interludes, dragons interludes, Pegos interlude, and legends interlude at the end, we get a lot of world building mm-hmm. on the protectorate and the world at large. So what do you find most interesting about all of this? I think particularly the amount of surveillance um, Mm -hmm. that the wards have and that like really all of them, all of the like official government-y parahumans have. Mm -hmm. um, And also that they're they're all really trying very hard to hold on to a routine that like this old pattern of behavior that does not, it doesn't have any material boundaries anymore. Like in this city, like, they're kind of, you know, holding on to these, like, tatters, I guess. Um, yeah. And then, like, at the same time, all this, there's this whole other mess that's happening that they haven't been able to address properly because they haven't kind of reevaluated their own place. Yeah. Okay. Then we get into arc 14, the final arc of all this, Prey, mm-hmm. in which the final battle against the Slaughterhouse Nine is fought. Um so it's it's kind of hard to summarize here because a lot of it is action. And while there is stuff going on with Taylor, it's just kind of hard to pin down yeah. like particular moments. Um, but I, I did my best here. So we start with the Protectorate planning to firebomb the area, uh, which is kind of just a prelude to the Bakuda bombing that um, Pigo was planning. Yeah, yeah. It's because the, the firebombing is minimally effective. In fact, I think it hurts their side more than it helps. Yeah, it seemed kind um, of, I think... The beginning of their of their like plan seemed foolhardy, I guess. Yeah, because all it does is it creates a bunch of fire. But mm-hmm. the main people that get it, it gets dropped on is crawler and mannequin, which it doesn't do anything yeah, yeah. to either. And uh, the ones who would do is Siberian and 
uh, Jack and Bonesaw, but they're off somewhere else, and Siberian's with them anyway, mm-hmm. yes, so it doesn't kinda... matter. Yeah. So they kind of just bombed the city for no reason. <laughs> uh, <sighs> uh, and they, they barely warn villains in time to get out of the way um, of this whole situation. Yeah. It's very interesting um, also that uh, Pagoshi, she has this, what I was talking about um, in our Perspectives episode about this, mm-hmm. this state mentality of like killable but, mon- but not murderable. Yeah. Um, I think she she kind of like adopts that mentality of of both civilians and also the heroes in uh-huh. this moment. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, where she's kind yeah. of like, we need to take the most aggressive, you know, path, and if if that takes other people out, then I mean they're they're just going to have to be collateral damage. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I hadn't considered that. I mean, it's not like I mean they evacuated the area, but it's not like. I mean, Jack gets to at least 20 other people yeah. during this. So it's not like no one is around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I wonder if she would have agreed with Arms Master's plan. Like, if Arms Master had been like, hey, uh, during Leviathan fight, I'm planning to kill a bunch of villains. Yeah, she seems like I the wonder one if to go kind of would have like, actually... Mm, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, think she, I think she probably would have been like, I did not hear that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so during this fight, uh, Skitter is madly powerful mm. this is the most bug she's ever controlled we see her it, it describes millions of actions per second which is insane so many um, so many yeah it, it, it's it's really interesting just when you think about it because it's like she's ordering these complex actions but each complex action is also the independent movement of a bunch of bugs yeah, right yeah. like she's controlling every single bug individually in these complex actions of um yeah and Which also, like, she kind just of, the concept of, mm-hmm. like, that ability of multitasking, like, how would that have changed, like, the, like, makeup of her brain? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what, what like, new neurons has she, or neural connection? Yeah. I don't know. Again, not, not, I'm not a science person, but, like, I don't sure, know. Sure, it's just, sure. like, I feel like that would have a really huge impact on the way that her brain works. I wonder how much of that is offloaded to her power. Mm, like, yeah. how much of it is the power and how much of it is her is really, in, in, in how is that connection handled mm-hmm. is really interesting question. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, like how, how does the power work in connection to her brain, right? Because mm-hmm. she's not, she, she doesn't have the time to think of everything at once, right? So how... How does she kind yeah. of like sort through that? How did, yeah, how is, how is it working? Mm-hmm. Um, interesting question, I think. Interesting. So another thing here is just how like dissociated from her own body she kind of gets. Yeah. She kind of talks about, she's just like, the central point on a giant map yeah. is kind of how it is. Uh, when, when she flies up on Atlas, and we'll get to that in a second, uh, and it's reduced to like just her and those in the intermediate vicinity, she just feels like suddenly like so much less, yeah. which is crazy because that's, that's her body, that's her own body, and she feels like it's like so small. But her like uh, she's gotten so used to the way that she like operates the way that she like perceives the world around her yeah she because she's out of range of her her mm-hmm. bugs she's looking at i think it's slaughterhouse nine or something she wants to offload tracking them to another to, to her bugs yeah. but she can't yeah she's like i i want to be able to track them more than just having to see them mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and she's doing so many other things with her power right? she's like continuously like directing people and spelling things out and it's like nothing yeah, to her yeah I know it's so there's wild part that, where like it's she... there's so much that she does all of the mm-hmm. time and like even at yeah. the at the same point like 
you don't really think about it, but like she has these, she has like at least a couple of bugs. Um, everywhere. Every, yeah, everywhere. But like specifically like with her, like her people that she collected, like she gave that little bug mm-hmm. and like the thing. So that, I don't know. There's just so many, there's so many like small and like detailed, um, you know, instances. Yeah, it's it's of always it. with, with, with those, I was really surprised that she knows that she won't forget yeah like like she won't walk in like she gave the you know the tracking flies and the boxes to you know her minions mm-hmm. right so when she comes back into her territory she's gonna know exactly which fly she gave to yeah, them like, that's it's not so just like oh she, there's like... a fly walking around on a person and then later on see sierra and they're like oh it's oh that's the one yeah. no she walks back to the area she's already like tagged that fly as sierra's fly yeah, like or whatever there's so much information just, that she has to keep nuts. Like in her head, processing all the time. Um, there's also a part here where um, she gives Regent like a grid of bugs, and he just like draws his finger through yeah. it to spell oh things, God. which is like really cool. But also like picture on Regent's side, like he hated the idea of a bunch of spiders living in living below him, and he's dragging his uh, finger. Oh, it's terrible! <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, okay, let's uh, keep on yeah, going onward. Um, so uh, this is where it, it, it we get to to Panacea's mm-hmm. bit. So first, let's talk about um, the non before she makes that decision. Uh, she's so she's being first chased by Siberian, and then the, the fight starts, and she's kind of helping out the Intersiders, but being extremely she's dragging her feet so much. Yeah. Um. And and Skitter, it, we're with Skitter with this. It's it's really hard not to completely be like oh my fucking god amy come on yeah. get your shit together yeah, yeah. skitter is losing her mind as amy tries to stick to these good and evil rules while the nine murder dozens of people and the city burns around them mm-hmm. um and so yeah amy's demeanor is like so naive is what it feels yeah. like yeah even though in another story it might be noble um there's 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 two particular points i'm thinking of it's first there's one where she she tells amy like hey uh, you know, you might be chased by this, uh, by the Siberian right mm-hmm. now, or, or we have to go off. And uh, Amy, like, looks scared at this notion rather than just like, okay, as she expects, yeah. as Taylor yeah. expects. Yeah. And, it, you, you know, you think Taylor, or Amy's a healer, not a frontline mm-hmm. combat combatant. So, um, but there's the other part where um, Taylor asks Amy to, to start making tools for her, right? Uh, yeah. Special bugs. And, uh, Amy specifically, it, Taylor says, okay, improve Atlas right now before I head back into battle. And Amy says something like, this isn't a gift for you, Taylor. I don't want to give the villains a permanent advantage. Uh, like... I'm just doing this because you need it. And then Taylor is just like, I can't fucking deal with this right now. Idiot. Wasting my time. There's mass murderers on the loose. And we see just like how devastating this is to Amy because she starts helping. Yeah. like and it's like yeah amy come on like <laughs> what are you I, talking I, about she just has so many stipulations and hang-ups and like she's really clinging to them only because like just because because they have yeah. held her together before like i don't know and then i feel like taylor also is just one who knows how to make people do things i know i've said this like 12 <laughs> times already but like this is another yeah. instance of that um yeah it, it, well that's interesting because it's like in her head we never see these things as like i'm going to say this thing in order to get this result yeah. however she does say the thing and gets the result and there's even so, like there's some moment too where she's like i never know what to say and i'm like yes you do you do this all the time <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah yeah but it's yeah. also like it's it's two different you know, like patterns of thought kind of you know 
butting up against each other where Taylor's like so she's so like use based and action based and and she's like ready ready to engage in conflict and then fantasy has like set up these like fences to make sure that she does not enter into that yeah i Um, I wonder if taylor learned how to devastate people emotionally like she does amy here from ah, emma ah ah that is such a very important thing to think about yeah yeah because she even earlier when like in the first eight arcs like she really readily kind of stepped into into the undersiders kind of bullying yeah uh, both uber and lead and then later on later on or earlier i don't know earlier Earlier. Uh, yeah yeah yeah, earlier victoria yeah yeah. hmm yes worth thinking about definitely worth thinking about um on a different note um in a a different note Mm. uh amy's power right we're gonna talk about that for a second of just like she's a healer Mm. right but obviously her power is so much more than that which and um there's there's a lot of powers that are very much uh, you you put a note at this first, so I'm, mm. I'm not bringing this into it, listeners. Um, of how there's a lot of powers that like can be used in a nonviolent way, but most often aren't or aren't just like Parian, yeah. right? <laughs> She's a fashion designer, right? That's yeah. kind of what she ah, does with Parian. her with her power, but it's really for something like yeah. creating yeah. strong dolls to punch things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's others like that. So many powers that like could be used in a good nonviolent way. I mean, all tinkers, tinkers make weapons. Mm-hmm. That's even the ones that don't end up being twisted into something else, like mannequin. So yeah, it's just it's just something to really think about. I think is that so many of the pow- like the parahuman powers have violent implications, or or like violent uses, or like or they're built for com- combat, or like something like like. There's just something to be said about that. Like, why? Why are all of them like this? You know, like, what are they? What are they building for? Oh my god! What if that's why that? Oh my gosh! What if is that why all of them are so like are set up to be violent? These passengers are setting up these individuals. Oh my god! Is it like an alien invasion <laughs> sort of thing? Just, just keep keep articulating that idea, please. Ah, I, I don't know. Like, because they were thinking, you know, it's like these two flapping you know beings right they're like this duality Mm -hmm. and they're like placing all these passengers in these individual humans and all of them every single one i mean i don't know i don't i don't want to generalize but i every single one that we've seen seen, yeah has violent implications is could do could be used for conflict also their brain chemistry is changed because of this so they have you know what if there's something set up in their brain that these passengers will become not a passenger but a driver you know Ah, Hmm. interesting Ah. Ah. <laughs> this is, is so this is a clearance speculation live on <laughs> I want to know I want to know <laughs> this is not written down <sighs> interesting yes oh, in- oh I didn't I didn't make that connection before that's so hmm, hmm. Mm-hmm. yes uh going back a little bit because I can't comment on anything yet that you just ah. said because it's speculation Dang it um uh, so on on powers being more violent, this is something that I, I think about sometimes. Of just like so much of our fiction is about violence, mm-hmm. and I, I I'm I'm not making a judgment on like it, this being good or bad, but like pointing at video games and you know most fantasy and sci-fi and stuff like that, or I mean just most fiction in general. Mm-hmm. So much of it is about physical violence and that kind of conflict. Obviously, there's tons of exceptions, but yeah, yeah, you could you could you could say pretty safely I think the majority of it revolves around violence and combat mm-hmm. and stuff like that. 
which is really just fascinating to me just because it's something that we we know we don't do in in our day day to day mm-hmm. we our conflicts are in completely other forms and more abstract right they are um social conflicts and yeah, yeah. just a, a conflicts of a, of authority but not of of violence and yeah there's usually I, much I, I more think like part of it is headiness to it hmm? there's usually so much more like headiness to all the conflicts that we're yeah. encountering yeah i think part of it is that phys- like combat is the simplest form of conflict resolution mm-hmm. yeah. it's yeah every other form is more abstract and i think resolutions become less clear yeah. that way yeah so mm. i mean there's only a couple lawyer video games <laughs> like <laughs> which is a conflict in words and yeah so yeah, there's just there's so much nuance when we get into words and and actions and all of that you know of like intention yeah. and motivation and i don't know beyond just yeah fighting you know yeah mm. So uh, let's move on mm-hmm. to yes. Panacea's horrible, horrible thing. Oh, um, so she's already made Victoria love her. Victoria's trying to hate her. Yeah. And uh, so Victoria gets hurt. And Br- Taylor brings uh, Glory Girl to Amy. She's going to die if Amy doesn't help. Amy's refusing to help because she- there's this incredibly complex cocktail of emotions um, mm-hmm. because uh, Amy's filled with this fear and self-pity and self-hatred that just like not just paralyzes her it just she's like going around in, in circles where she's she's almost ready to like let glory girl die yeah. right yeah. which is just because she doesn't want to like get herself in a situation where she's going to do something even worse yeah. right yeah and then when she's pushed to hey fix lawyer girl she pushes off fixing glory girl until the very mm-hmm. end and all the undersiders are horrified um by this i mean regent is the first one to call it mind rape which is what it is yeah, yeah. It, the, the the deepest violation that's not even really possible in real mm-hmm. life um and at the end there she hypnotizes glory girl and um flies off basically yeah, she's to fix her, but yeah. <sighs> she's just she's just really like living in this this like state of inaction, you know, yeah. in order to like not deal with any of it. Of like yeah. if she doesn't have to like face the music, if she doesn't have to think about what she has done and what she should do and all of this like she's just kind of sitting there with all of the pieces and not touching any of them, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's quite a mess that she has created for herself. Yeah. And we, we can look back and look at her other, you know, her her main her main trauma, although, of course, she has many, mm-hmm. is, or one of her main ones, I should just say, um, is that she is the healer. That she can save people, and it's every time she doesn't act, it's yeah. people dying. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes not acting into the best method of self-preservation. Yeah. It, it's... it's like if she has a reason to not act, she'll take it because not acting, having that reason to not act, like relieves her of this unbearable responsibility. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, on on a different note of just pointing out some more reasons why this is so fucked. It's like even if, like, she just doesn't want to fix Gloria Girl, but she's like, it's it's not just because she just she doesn't want Gloria Girl to be mad mm-hmm. at her. Gloria Girl already hates yes. her, right? Yes. Gloria Girl already hates. Like she's her. not gonna fix and that bit. Yeah, and 
she just doesn't want to, to she, she just doesn't want to face that. She doesn't want to, you know, I, I keep trying to articulate it in different ways. She just doesn't want to face it. It's also, even it's though, like, like it, by fixing she it, could, she has to acknowledge that she did mm-hmm. it and that she, like, she has to face herself, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, like, think about, it, I don't know. It's just. What, what I think is so bad about it is that she doesn't need, she could fix Glorgol before facing it, right? I mean, she hypnotizes Glorgol at the end yeah, of this, right? Yeah. So it's like, she could just do that bit, she, fix the the main thing, the main horrible thing she mm-hmm. did that she's been putting off doing, because then there'll there'll just be the hate, I guess. Yeah. She could so 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 she could hypnotize Glorgol, fix the the mind rape, and then fix her body, and then release Glorgol and run away and do whatever. Yeah. But she just doesn't because she, I, I think secretly, I don't, I don't know how secretly, but. I think deep down she doesn't want to undo the change yeah. is yeah. kind of the main thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. She's It's not just yeah. not wanting to act. It's there's reasons why she does not want to. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, so let's let's move on. We'll get back to Amy one more time mm-hmm. at, at the end. Um so one little note here. Taylor has Atlas the Beetle <gasps> yes! now. Yes. Ah I sorry, I just oh what a turn. I love this bug so much. <laughs> I love this bug so much. Immediately, I just, I want him to be okay forever. Also, it's hilarious that he has probably a human digestive tract. I really want him to eat like a cheeseburger or breakfast or something. I don't know. (laughs) There's just so many possibilities. (sighs) I just, I love, I love the addition of giant beetles to stories, you know? I I mean, except Mm -hmm. Kafka, but like everything else, wonderful, wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, Atlas is super cool. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so fun because... Taylor controls him completely, right? Yeah. He's an extension of her body, essentially. And yet, and yet, like, she ends up basically treating him as a whole different, like, like a, like a pet. Yes. And so it's, he becomes ah. a character, even though he has literally zero agency. It's so, I just love him so much. Yes. Ah, it's so funny. <laughs> and she's flying around on a beetle. I know. How hilarious is ah. that? Yeah. Yes. I wonder if if Wildbo googled how big would a beetle have to be to lift a human. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's great. It just um, he makes me smile every yes, time. Yes, yes, and then she also has the really uh, bugs, which are also pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I appreciate them. Uh, they're just another cool bit of her toolbox. Yeah, everything it, like it, it's just always expanding. I think it's just part of it is just it, it makes it so much more fun that like it, there's there's a bit there where she talks about how she kind of wishes she had names for these things but it would sound silly if she did right mm. but like having these these specific creatures yeah yeah like it's it's fun just because like they're these tools that like have character to them where normally it's just the you know the massive of yeah bugs. it's like it's like and with it's like, dogs you know where it's yes, like there are specific yes. individuals also side note yeah. like while it's in my head there was there was one like particular moment where like they're prying open um Lucy mm-hmm. and like, or like the like encasing that you know like the large you know, yeah. and they're like pulling Lucy out. Like what? Ah, oh, that was such a wonderfully interesting image. Yeah, um, it was a, a. I think it was described as like a horrifying birth. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, it's in the placenta. So fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, onward. Sorry. <laughs> so the next big section that we're going to talk about is how um the. the the main three, Slaughterhouse-9, are, are cornered, essentially, mm-hmm. and uh, the miasma is released. Yes. 
It's terrifying. It, this red mist spreading, and the undersiders try their best to get away, but they just aren't able to, especially because it, it dry. It turns in the mist yeah, and goes yeah. up, um, and it renders everyone confused and helpless. At first, Taylor uh, is able to avoid it until Legend uh, hits her, mm-hmm. and Legend is, is trying his best as well. Um, yeah, so things things evolve. Everyone's fighting. Everyone's trying not to kill people. Um, until um, Taylor runs into, quote-unquote, Gru and Tattletail, mm. who are acting weird. Uh, it's this very awkward and, and tense and, like, off-feeling yeah. chapter. Yeah. The chapter finishes with Taylor cursing and Tattletail saying, No swearing! Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also, like, a, multiple different points where they're, like, testing her. Yeah. Um, in ways that... that- would not have occurred i don't know it was just just there was so much that was happening and and then she was also in turn testing them but it was just and and then like her head is just empty of like all these like information which is like an extension of her like her her um power almost you know her like human side of it but like i don't know it's just like a really disorienting sort of sort of um uh headspace the, the most terrifying thing to me is when she goes back into her memories and can't remember yeah. people in her yeah me- where she, like, her she has memories. memories but they're just like empty of people yeah. you know uh so it's so odd. yeah I'm disconcerting uh, one of the things they try to do is they try to tailor they they try to pressure taylor into killing a battery mm-hmm. and uh she just continually refuses um and she, she I doesn't mean, she do does, direct she killing. does good here she huh? doesn't do direct killing what do you mean oh that's why i'm saying is that Jack oh, she, to that do Taylor this, like, just she doesn't do direct killing, so she's not going to kill Battery yeah, here. It's not this, but normally she would if it was indirect. I don't know. I, well, she doesn't have her rationalizations around it. Is that what you yeah. mean? Although she um, she wouldn't but, label it as such. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. Um, but so I think she she does free Battery at the end here, right? Or she does she she doesn't take action because she's uh, concerned about them at this yeah, point. Yeah. But the the tragic thing is that Battery still does die. Yeah. In, in the aftermath of this, she gets poisoned by uh, one of the spiders and at the end of the arc mm. dies, revealing a secret that legend already knows to legend. So yes. really tragic. <sighs> um, so uh, some other notes here. Uh, Jack learns about the end of the world from Cherish mm-hmm. that he's going to cause it, which is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, then they go to the school. Oh, the school um, confrontation with Taylor chasing them, and just it's such a it's such an awesome confrontation with Taylor trying just to remember, you know, who who Jack and and Bonesaw are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, so we, we get there. Panacea still hasn't fixed Glory Girl. She's in this like coffin thing. It's kind of really. It's like a bone coffin too, isn't it? Or like it's yeah. like comprised it's, of like and it's decorated. Why is it decorated? Panacea, no. It's just such a... Why did you spend time doing Ah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack seems about to convince Panacea to let go of her rules. It actually gets, like, really scarily close. I I think for sure if Taylor hadn't showed up, Panacea would have joined the Slaughterhouse-Nine. Yeah, I think so. Um, His argument is basically... You aren't a good person, so why try it all? Yeah. And this is the the thing I wanted that I decided to put off talking about is um <clears throat> she has this there's that that part where where she when they first when she first takes Glory Girl to leave mm-hmm. where she basically says something like you're not going to forgive me anyway yeah so I might as well 
like do whatever I need to do to get you in the best place. Yeah, yeah. Because you're gonna hate me no matter what I do. Mm-hmm. So like even though I, even though I'm violating your boundaries even further, it's like because I'm already I've already lost. Yeah, right. Yeah. Everything's forsaken already. That she's yeah. she's already kind of acting on that. Yeah. And and he's just sort of like confirming it. Yeah. And so he's yeah. He says just give up. You were you were meant to be evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And it's, yeah, it's just frightening how close. He gets the Panacea's counter arguments are not effective yeah. at all. Well, it's just she's she's you know fixated in her mind, like she's established this as a fact that she is a bad person, that she is evil, you know, in her head to herself, you know, that she's yeah. like very stagnant in her self hatred and like she doesn't see herself as changeable, as as you know, um, as like this. She doesn't see herself with the ability to. Uh, you know, fix anything that she has done now. Um, yeah. Which I think that's why, I think that's why it happened. Like he's, that's why he's so close is that he's, his argument is something that she has with herself and, you know, every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's already lost to the argument in her yeah. head. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Uh, so w- w- one thing I, I didn't write this down and I haven't fully thought out it in my head. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this arc jack leaves because he says that uh panacea did did do the deal Mm -hmm. right which was break your rules and we'll leave yeah and so he so i'm just like what is the point that she broke her rules i think was it when she healed taylor or is it a different moment um because hmm. when she heals taylor she's she's using her power on brains again yeah Yeah. because i guess he did because he doesn't know about um, I mean, I think he knows what she did to to Gloria Girl. I don't think, but he wanted it to be he kn- something. He wanted it to be that at that moment. Yeah, I think she he what he was trying to get at with the whole argument was with the with the whole conversation was uh, commit to using Gloria Girl however you want forever. Yeah. And she doesn't commit to that, but, but she, she also did fix her. Yeah. And he yeah, and she did break her rule and worked on brains mm-hmm. again. So, yeah, yeah. I, I guess don't know. I guess that is the moment because hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. So with like her role being broken mm-hmm. again, right? What do you think is going to? What do you think she's going to do? What like do do you think she's gonna fix Glory Girl? No, honestly, I don't. I think mm-hmm. because she she has led herself down a path. Um, where she has she has created a space for herself in her mind to continue doing mm-hmm. what she's doing, mm-hmm. like she's indulging that um, in a way that that I don't think she will. Um, I don't think she'll fix it yet, or I don't know. Do you think she's gonna go all the way like Jack wants? I don't think so. Okay, but I I don't know. I feel like she if if there is someone who can convince her of like to do the like to change her behavior um i kind of think it would be her father mm-hmm. um but like beyond anyone else which one um because because she's so wrapped up in this concept of hereditary or like heredity so you're you're talking about marquis mm-hmm. or marquis is how it should be pronounced but apparently the pure human pronunciation is marquis but it's marquis it is marquis it's french i'm fuming <laughs> i'm not french Yes. But, but 
God damn it. I, I really thought... I didn't actually mean to say Marquis the first time just there. I think we've got Worm conditioned me to say oh. it that way. Which it's apparently, according to Wildbo or whatever, it's how Marquis named himself because there's Marquis. multiple pronunciations of the word Marquis. Hmm. <sighs> okay. I'm not upset about well, it. Well, anyways, Amy's father. Amy's father. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll never call we'll him, never by, call name him by his name again. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's the only one who can knock her out of it and okay. kind of shake her up. Interesting. Yeah. We didn't really talk about that scene in the birdcage, yeah. but that is significant. It apparently was possibly just a ruse the like for Dragon to get a message mm, to yeah, yeah. her. Um, yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah. So the nine, um, it, Taylor chases the nine, but they have a pretty simple plan and they leave the city having lost the game. Mm which you guys just lost the game to. Uh, so Jack, Bonesaw, Siberian, and Hulkwolf leave. Um, Cherish is punished also horrifically. Uh, she's at the bottom of the ocean, constantly feeling the despair of a city. Yeah, that's oh, pretty that's bad. pretty horrible punishment. A mannequin and Crawler and Burnscar are mm-hmm. dead. Shatterbird is regented. Also, that's very amusing so, that that is turned into a verb. Yes, yes. Uh, so, ba- so, I mean, the city won... I, I think they, they they pretty much won. I mean, I uh, guess if if winning like, means that that you know they got them to hundreds leave, of people are dead. Yeah, but yeah, so many people are dead. Like, there's so much. There's even more destruction to yeah. contend with. And then like, at, and you know, there's also the whole thing of like Jack left the city. You know. Yeah. Yes. Which is yeah. Which means most likely the end of the world is going to happen in two yeah. years. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that's how Dinah phrased it. Hmm. Yeah, so... Um, and, of course, the other problem with Slaughterhouse Nine is that they gather up more members wherever they go. Yeah, they're not... It's not... It's kind of a Dread Pirate Robert sort of thing of, like, mm-hmm. everybody. Also, is it... Is it, like, is... Or is it, like, Jack is the one that, like, keeps everybody... Like, how, how, is it... Has it been the same people this whole time? Like, are there any constants? I don't think that's talked about in the section of the book, but mm. um, I think it's safe to say there are some longer-running members... Mm-hmm then like yeah and and some shorter running members it's interesting i definitely have like a tier list of like who is the most slaughterhouse 90 yeah 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 which jack is the first and then it's to me bonesaw then siberian mm-hmm. uh and then i don't know probably mannequin yeah mannequin and then i guess crawl um, but he's just kind of and then shatterbird and then cherish mm-hmm. and then burn scar yeah which is the least uh, slaughterhouse 90 of them Burnscar. all yeah. Poor girl. Yeah, she seemed to have a rough go of it. Yes. So the this this all ends with, as it says in the note, not a bang, but a whimper. And it, it's echoed in how it's structured, right? This fa- final mm-hmm. chapter, this final thing, Taylor thinks that she's tracked them. She waits like 10 minutes, right? So we're already dragging yeah. it out. Then goes over there. It finds it's us just some nobody. poor civilians. and mm-hmm. I mean, not nobody. Yeah, it's yeah. civilians. Um, but I think I think that that ending with Whimper is is a really effective way to end this whole, you know, kind of um, this whole book, I think, of the section, because because that there is that sort of like, I mean, yeah, we got them out, but like the we still have like what to deal with, you know, like there's more there's more to come. You know, this is just the beginning sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. for sure. So we get into our final two interludes. First, Sierra which uh, caps mm-hmm. off 
basically the epilogue for the arc, I think. Um, we see Taylor uh, externally, right? Um, so basically what happens in here, Sierra and Charlotte are in the base with the kids, right? Going to send that soup. Mm-hmm. Then those thugs from before come in and uh, threaten them pretty scarily. Yeah, yeah. Taylor comes in and is even more terrifying. Uh, it kind of just blasely deals with them. I, I Honestly, in my opinion, probably gives them even too much care that like in comparison to everything before like she talks to them rather than just beating yeah, them yeah it's kind of surprising that she she that she yeah. she engages in in such a long sort of bantery type of thing i mean it's not banter but it's more like yes you know. yeah um yeah she, she, yeah, so she's she comes in. She's like, I've dealt with the slaughterhouse yeah, she's nine. Like, yeah, whatever. She's covered in bugs. She's just exhausted, yeah. and uh, she deals with all these with like casual cruelty, hand or knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. so interesting too to like to see her from this perspective. Um, because if we were like you know in her head, like we would have that sort of her deliberating. We'd have her thinking about it, you know, assessing the situation, wondering about her position still, all of this. And then, but then, like to Sierra, she's like you know the big boss, you know, meeting with the other villains, like because you know, um, I think the arc fourteen is like Gru shows up and all, and like there's just so much, you know, like there's all these things that are happening, you know, um, and then she like disappears and they don't know if she's gonna return. All of this, yeah, for two yeah, days, she's just kind of gone. Um, I don't know. There's just there's a totally different view of her um, presented yeah. to Sierra. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the section ends. Uh, with uh, Taylor saying that next she wants to deal with the man at the mm-hmm. top. Yes. So hmm. already we're we're seeing the next conflict. Yeah. Set up. Our final interlude broadens out the scope. We have Legend, um, who honestly seems like a pretty good guy. He does. Like, <laughs> he's he's just gives this really great pep talk to Kid Win, and we knew that Kid Win needed the pep talk. Yeah, like wow. Um, I like yeah. Legend, and in the second half. Go ahead. I, no, I just, I like Legend. Yeah. No, he's cool. And yeah, and he's just, uh, he's casually gay and shoots the cool lasers. Yeah. And there's this little philosophizing about how he, uh, his breaker form is meant to travel between stars. Mm. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Very cool. What a legend. Also, that's so, really interesting mm-hmm. now that I am thinking about my whole working theory. Um, mm-hmm. That that he is like that he is able to he could be able to go to space. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he could just decide to, to go to the moon, yeah, just like out and about. I, mean, I honestly, I think he should do it. I think that would be a just, cool thing know, to do. Just, just take a take a day trip. <laughs> I mean, all he needs is like a you know he could borrow a space suit or yeah. make a tinker suit or whatever. I'm sure th- th- it's super easy to get a tinker. And then you're on the moon. How dope would that be, <laughs> Legend? Come on. Um, so, uh, the, the latter half of the interlude has him going to Cauldron mm-hmm. and, uh, we, we see him have this conversation and we don't see how significant it is until he gets back to his desk and goes through the conversation She's with like, a version of Arms lie, Master's lie, lie detector. Uh, over and over. Which it, and it's, it's such an awesome thing. We just see lie, lie, mm-hmm. lie, all lies. Yeah. Man. It's very it intense. Is, it so is. we, we, Get revealed that Cauldron or uh, Siberian is William Manton, who was involved with Cauldron. Um, he has the the Cauldron C on the back of one mm-hmm. hand. We see uh, the Cauldron 
is responsible for case 53s. We don't know if all of them, but yes, definitely yes. like they, they need the tests on humans. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Culture. And uh, some other stuff. I don't know how much is gleanable from just this. I, I have outside knowledge, obviously. So, um, but yeah. Hmm, I don't know. A lot, I, I guess. I mean, not that much. We don't really know their intentions or anything yet or what they're like. Like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing all this human testing? You know? Um, and like, you know, what are they? Do they have like another plan or like a, a plan down the line? You know, like, why are they, why are they the ones that have the people in power? All of this. Yeah. And you also wonder of how culpable each person in that room Mm -hmm. is, right? Because both Eidolon and Alexandra were lying to him. But he's also a member of the Triumvirate and in that room. And he doesn't know about a lot Mm -hmm. of the stuff. I don't know. It seems like like he has that the same level of culpability, like this unknowing culpability um, having to do with this and the human testing and all of that. um, Kind of like Skitter. Uh, with Dinah at the beginning, yeah. where she doesn't know that she's a distraction sure. until later. Um, so, hmm, I don't know. I feel like he may return. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's a member of Trent for them, yeah, sure he will. But, um, yeah. Okay, hmm. that is our key moment by key moment yeah. summary. We are only at, on our end, three hours and 45 minutes into our conversation. Oh, God. So, no big deal. We'll see how that goes in editing. Hopefully that's a lot less for you guys. I don't know how much less. Uh, so <laughs> let's, as usual, rush through our, our ending yes. a little bit. Um, first, let's just talk about book two as a whole. Mm. Um, so now we, we have another book to compare it to. We didn't have that the first time. Yeah. Um, um, I, the, obviously, this division is... It, they're always not going to be perfect. I think this one went a little long. But I also think this is one of the best like like plot arc complete the plot arc mm-hmm. all, all put together i don't think you can really i mean i think you could throw arc nine to the first book as a like epilogue possibly yeah you could i i think that definitely could fit um but i think yeah. also entering into this um into this uh this whole like kind of negotiation between the nine and um the resident pair of humans in in Brockton Bay, I think. Yeah. Seeing the devastation of the city, like setting that up as the setting, um, or like resetting it up, I guess. Um, I think that's really kind of yeah. essential before we kind of step into all of this like really fast paced sort of interactions is that we, we kind of walk around the block with all these uh, wards. Yeah. It, now that I think about it, I think this just works because it has a pretty clear like three act structure mm-hmm. where it's it's got a long setup. It's got... Um, the rising action, and it has that uh, thrilling conclusion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, this this is obviously <laughs> arc eight is where Worm gets you know starts getting dark, mm-hmm. and uh, this entire section kind of stays that dark. So yeah, yeah, maybe even plunges a bit. Oh further. my god! Oh, yes, here we go. <laughs> I mean, arc arcs one through eight didn't have arm kebabs, human kebabs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so it's it's a lot. It's a lot taken. It's a, like it's a lot of violence, um, like uh, concentrated. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like really up close. We're really up close to them, especially because mm-hmm. like we were in some of their heads. You know, in some of the interludes. Yeah, a lot of their yeah, heads. a lot of their heads. We yeah. were in a lot of their heads, um, which I feel like makes it worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although the writing of it is yeah. absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, you you had a a note somewhere else I think of just how. 
you oh yeah just just like the, the way the that writing improves the a lot way that here. it's set up and like the the um like the use of like time skips and and kind of withholding information and showing it in someone else's perspective and kind of this like just the the manipulation of where the reader is i think is is really evolving and and done really well in this um particular like book especially mm -hmm. um because before so much of it was like we're we're getting the account from um taylor and it, it doesn't it, it's not that you know is dramatically changed um it just even even when we're in her perspective um there is that sort of like uh that rhythm of like time skipping and kind of like moving around where we don't as the reader know things that maybe she knows or that you know you know what i mean um yeah. it's yeah it's it was it was very engaging yeah. very enthralling i, I think here we set up a lot more of the long-term uh, conflicts that are going to mm -hmm. happen. We have both we, we coil and whatever stuff with the powers mm -hmm. and the passengers and yeah. all that and Cauldron and Theo. Yeah, ah, Theo. Yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of long-distance ships mm -hmm. are are sailing mm -hmm. here. Uh, yeah, I, I, when I think of Worm, I usually think of this yeah. section. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's get into your speculations, Alrighty. Clarence. So uh, the first thing I want to ask about is what is your understanding of powers and where they come from at this moment? And what do you think are the missing pieces in your understanding? Mm, okay, so now that I have my working theory that have that emerged now, um, there has there's something to do with these these like flapping dual beings, right? Whose intentions are mysterious. I find it interesting how you keep using the word I flapping. I don't know. Like, okay, was, like in one of the <laughs> descriptions, it, they were talking, there was the description of like fluttering or flapping. I don't, it's just been attached in my head, this image. It, it's just, I just find it so funny because it's like the least like menacing, or not menacing, <laughs> I don't know, the least know, grandiose of all the words. But it just, it, it stuck. Yeah. Um, yes, sure. Yeah, so we're not, like, it, they seem to be preparing for something, perhaps, you know, and they're, like, sitting in all of these people's brains. And then it's, like, the interaction of that with each individual person. But now I don't know how much agency each person has, you know, like, hmm, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Very. And then, and then also there's the whole other thing of, like, some of it, it's seemingly an accident, you know, in the wild. Um, sure. But then others, it's, like, deliberately created. Can you elaborate on what you mean by uh, accident versus deliberate? Deliberately, like, with, like what, with which occasions are you thinking with, of? With cauldron. Oh, okay. So, yeah, cauldron is deliberate. Yes. Oh, right, right, right. With like batteries and fluid in mm -hmm. particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Where it's induced. Yeah, induced. Um, yes. Hmm. I mean, not to say that any of them are. Maybe they're not, none of them are accidents, and all of them are very intentional because of these, you know, the flapping dual beings. But um, yeah, it, see. It, it may be considered an accident or like a in the wild sort of thing um, sure. on the individual side of it, but then not an accident on the side of the beings. Yeah. Yeah, I can get yeah. that. Uh, all right. So what do you think is cauldron and what is their purpose? Mm -hmm. Yes. They are some sort of, I mean, I don't know if they're corporate, but they're definitely some sort of mysterious hallway organization full of, I don't know, things. They're trying to, they're testing human subjects. Yes. And, yes. and they have a... Uh, a supervillain named the number man yes the number man um and though the, i think the one time that his name has come, come up before is uh that he's the supervillain banker that um the undersiders the bank accounts are like oh, controlled yeah, by or yeah. something or run by or something like that huh fascinating mm -hmm. 
which is a very long callback. That was like an arc yeah, three or yeah. something. Maybe no, no, that was arc six. I think yeah, because Coil reveals mm, it. Yeah, mm. yeah. I don't know. And then there's also this whole thing of like them making the parahumans, and then also sending them off into the world, and then perhaps controlling them after making them, like they did with Battery, or I don't know, or if they're keeping tabs on them, like. What are they doing? Do they, do they have contact with the beings? With these, the flapping ones? I don't know. Are they militant? Research? Unknown. There's many, many questions. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the second to last chapter implies that Coil is, the co- the conflict with Coil is coming mm. up. So what do you think is going to happen there? I think it's not going to be like the nine. I don't think it's going to be this, this, you know, full, War. yeah, this full frontal attack that's like, you know, um, very like physical um i think it'll be much more like behind the scenes and like gathering everybody to support taylor and and this some sort of like usurpation or like undermining i don't know i feel like dragon will be involved because dragon Mm -hmm. very deliberately was trying to figure out what the deal was with skitter you know and i feel like we'll perhaps uh empathize and maybe help but Mm -hmm. i don't know because she's kind of got her own thing going on Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Any other speculations? Um, Maybe about particular characters or something? Oh, I don't... I can't think of any that I was especially noting. I'm really excited to see what Legend does, though. Like, I, I want mm-hmm. to know. I want to know how he's going to respond to this. Um, yeah. Because I feel like he could be also very instrumental in kind of, you know, rendering visible this whole cauldron and all of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get uh, the the last section here before we outro is the questions for Clarence. Yes. So we had a good amount of questions from from those. And uh, if you guys want to ask questions for the next overview and perspectives episode, you can leave that in the uh, discussion mm-hmm. threads. Um, we uh, we won't be answering new questions on the perspectives episode, but everyone who left a theme to talk about, we'll we'll talk about in the yeah next episode. Um, so. Uh, Let's start off with uh, Megafire7 asks, The climax of book one is a sudden arrival of what is basically a natural disaster in the immediate aftermath of that moment. But for book two, the big threat is a more drawn out and more about showing the awful side of humanity. I've always thought that the true threat of the Slaughterhouse Nine is not the horrors they perpetuate, but in what they push you to do to try and stop them. How do you think this threat has influenced Taylor going forward? Mm. I think she has definitely given some like some leeway i think in this regard like in her response to the nine she's she had like the violence that she has like engaged in i guess like she's more violent in her response and like more uh, she doesn't acknowledge any of this though like the manipulation like the manipulation in her methodology like that's still present as well and like she makes a lot of concessions in like what she allows herself to do like where she's like justifying herself and and rationalizing all of this and not really acknowledging that how much that that responding to the nine has has kind of changed the way that um, she operates. But then it's also like it's not only the nine; it's like a bunch of other stuff too. Um, but she still draws the line during the miasma. Where I wonder if if oh, sorry, I, I interrupted. Oh no, the thought. I, no, it just that she doesn't um, she doesn't actively like she doesn't kill for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder if the tailor of, you know, arc say four mm-hmm. would have ordered Sundancer to 
kill some civilians to get the bad oh, guy. Oh, she. I don't know. I don't think she would have. I don't. I don't think she would have made that. I. I think she would have considered it yeah. maybe, but she wouldn't. I don't think she could have mm-hmm. done it. Yeah. I don't think she would have done uh, the like the manip like the manipulation of saying that you know like mm-hmm. making her do it without telling her what was going to happen. Yes, I. Th- I think she might be like you should do it, but I don't think she'd. Yeah. Mani- yeah. yeah. Um, okay, uh, Shin7 asks, I think it's pretty clear by now that most powers are more complex than what they seem like on the surface. Besides making the characters and fights more interesting, do you think there's something else that the powers provide as literary devices? Um, I was thinking that some of them act very, like, metaphorical, or, like, or not metaphorical, but, like, they're, they, they take on this sort of, like, I don't remember what the phrase is. I wrote, I, I wrote hand for the person, but that's not the like fancy way to say this of like a like using a specific thing to describe like a whole set of complex things yeah there's i forget the word for that but yeah it's where you use one part of someone's body or something to represent the bigger yeah, thing right yeah so i feel like their like, powers um, sometimes like are are that sort of like hand for the person of like their like psychological meandering and like how they're kind of how they maneuver around um I guess this isn't really like literary though, but like it it takes on this kind of like tangible manifestation of that, like giving space for mm-hmm. for them to kind of. Not, I mean, not really giving space, but like it it becomes a space for them to sort through some of their like uh, not really past, but like their their like personhood. Mm-hmm. Vladislav asks, uh, "Worm has a number of xenofiction chapters, which those are chapters from a non-human mm-hmm. perspective." Uh, after the goodest of boys, Brutus, we now have the good AI dragon, who might be the hugest sci-fi element of the story so far, tackling issues like her own advanced, enhanced uh, three laws of robotics and intense social isolation. Mm-hmm. Do you think she's right in her frustration and harsh judgment of Andrew Richter? Uh, so far, she has proven to be both moral in, in her actions and intentions, and her only ambiguous desire is to get rid of her metaphorical chains to do more good. I think... I think her frustration at Richter, like, and at her limitations is understandable. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm, I, I don't know if I would say that she's right or not right, I guess, because it's just like, I mean, I know she's AI, but like, it's her feelings, you know? Like, she's, she's constructed mm-hmm. her own consciousness and built her own personality and like, built off of, like, built more than what Richter had given her, like, what he expected of her. And so like, she has become something, someone like, different and more than, than, what he made limitations to fit you know so it's like the ba- like the bounds that were created um they 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 have instead of becoming just like these kind of like strict guidelines dictating the behavior of an ai they've like you know become this 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 uh limitation on the full realization like of her identity and that she sees mm-hmm. this as unachievable because of him you know, so even he's like done all these wonderful things for other people and all of this. And like, he seems like a pretty okay person, but it's just like, she sees him in a different light because he's like these, he's the imposer of limited actions for her. Yeah. 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 I, I think there's a lot you could do there just reflecting on parenthood yeah. and, yeah. you know, what this, what, what are, what would dragon's limitations be, you know, if it was allegorical to a human mm-hmm. being. Right. And I think exploring that would be really interesting that would take a while though so i'm not gonna do that yes, right now I like that, though. um yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Me too. laughs> um let me see um i am very bad at math asks 
Uh, one suggestion that might be worth a topic is the concept of recontextualization in mm-hmm. serials. How a serial is structured differently as a storytelling mechanism, and recontextualization is an extremely powerful storytelling tool because of that. Novels tend to be written with the end done first, storyboards and notes for the body, then go through rewrites and edits repeatedly before release. A serial is written each chapter one at a time and released. Uh, it's the truth the author has to build on. When it's released, it's now the truth that the author has to build on. So recontextualization is a tool that's almost required for the serial format. I was thinking about this because of the Amy Gallant comments during last Mm -hmm. episode, uh, how strong that will land in the next one and in in this one, and how effective this tool is in particular in writing serials. Yeah. So uh, regarding, right, Gallant, right, in that whole conversation, do you... Have the full yeah, and realization of what that, was really going on there. That's so much. That's so much to... But it's also... I don't know. I feel like both of them. Both of them kind of are stepping into a place that they should not go. Mm-hmm. Still, I guess. Well, so, to, like... to just to state it the, the most clearly, right? With that conversation, mm-hmm. Gallant was like, you have intense feelings towards me. But it wasn't... Mm-hmm. It wasn't love. It was yeah. jealousy and yeah. hatred. Yeah. Which I guess I guess that's okay that I don't I don't know. I still feel like he mm-hmm. shouldn't like he shouldn't be, you know, hanging around, you know, digging around in other people's emotions and everything. I mean you have to wonder though, it, but if it, it's also understandable that he wanted to like address yeah. this. I mean for me you have to wonder if Gallant was around during this, would this still have happened oh. like this? I don't think so. I I don't yeah. think so. He he mm. was a keystone, I think. For for Victoria yeah, and yeah. Victoria's a keystone for Amy, so it kind of Yeah. Yeah, it all kind of like turned into a domino yeah. effect. <sighs> all right, the last question uh that we'll go through is uh again from Shin7. Um what power would you like to have and why, Clarence? Mhm. I that's difficult to think about, but I um I feel like I would like a informational mm-hmm. one, or like one where I'm like sorting or accumulating and relaying inf- information. Um, not I don't know maybe like mm-hmm. petal tail, but more of like a like a categorizing because I I don't know. Not that I'm disagreeing, but a mental power like that would definitely affect how you think, and for me, that's a little scary. Not to say that I wouldn't, but... Oh, yeah. that's true. Also, I'd have, like, a thing <laughs> in my head that's not me. But, I mean, what is... You know, like, you still have, like, all those microorganisms yeah. in your body. So, like, is your body fully... Like, you've got all those, like, single yeah. cell... I don't know. It's just... What are... What's what's the boundary between us and the world? You know, that's actually a really great question. I wonder if Panacea's power extends to the microorganisms in her body, and if so, Why? Because they are her body. Yeah. Like the your, your gut, fl- your gut flora are. That is you, like, I guess. Yeah. Unless you think about yourself they, as a donut. They, they don't have your DNA, but yeah. They don't. Ah, DNA. That's messy. It's all. That's why I was thinking about the miasma too. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I wrote in my notes. I named. I was like the pesky proteins. Those mm-hmm. pesky proteins. Ah, yeah. Science. Ah, science. Uh, for me, I would like uh, some form of shape-shifting. I'm a big shape-shifter person. Because mm. that's 
cool obviously yeah, yeah. if i could design the power it'd be like basically like genesis except my own body and i can do it whenever so i yeah, would yeah. choose something overpowered but <laughs> actually you know what okay here's here's a different question out of the 12 classifications which one would you want if you, um... if you could get you, you don't know what your power is going to be but it's going to be that thing which one i guess thinker is what you said yeah okay yeah i think so okay and then although those seem to be kind of like volatile yeah individuals i think the like safest choice is probably mover yeah who knows hmm um okay uh that is all we have for y'all this week yeah (laughs) wow so uh let's let's get through our our outro uh our recording time at this this moment is uh four hours eight minutes so let's see i I hope i can cut that down we'll see um goodness yeah i've been just so long i've been debating whether it might be a good idea just to like not not struck restructure it because i I really don't want to Mm -hmm. uh, i i don't want to I don't want to release schedule to go any further, but yeah. we could, if you guys want, just like cut episodes in half and release them. Like it would still be like a normal episode, except it it'll end rather abruptly, and then the, you could start the other half, and um, they would still be released on the same day. So I don't know if that sounds at all interesting. Let me know in a comment if that's a good idea and we might start with that next week so Hmm. um okay so what is happening in doof media uh so the day that this episode was supposed to come out because it was delayed a bit we were very busy with a lot of stuff we apologize for Hmm. that um you know there's the the protests going on i was yeah there's there's a lot going on um and uh just organizing and staying on task and also this book is gigantic so <laughs> point is there's a lot of uh so things much going happening on. yes the next overview is going to be is, is the section is uh over arcs 17 17 through 19 and that is only two hundred twenty-two thousand words that's a hundred thousand words less so i expect that to wait, go a lot more easily for us fi- wait 15 through 17 17 15 through 17 i think sorry i misspoke okay Yes, you're you are correct. Yes, fifteen through seventeen. So hopefully that episode is going to be less. Also, this is the biggest book. All the ones mm-hmm. are smaller than this. So yeah, we'll see how the future goes. Uh, anyway, um, anyway, the day this was supposed to come out was um, the this this month's game club, uh, which was over Transistor. I haven't seen the whole thing, but uh, what I have seen is a super enjoyable. Uh, Elliot and Ruben going diving into all of the. Uh, mechanical details and and how that constructs a uh, the experience of the video game. Uh, next month is FTL Faster Than Light, which is one of my top five favorite games ever uh, of all time, and I expect that to stay at least in the top ten for probably the rest of my life because it's just so enjoyable. Wow! Um, yeah, it's just a little indie game where you uh, have a crew piloting a spaceship. It's pretty good. Mm. Um, and then the other show I want to plug because I always forget to plug it on my other show, Do the Right Thing, is What to Say, uh, an OC podcast. So uh, I don't know if you know about this one, Clarence. Um, what is it? So that sounds fun. Uh, there was a TV show. I I don't know a drama. 
soap opera, something, mm-hmm. I don't know what the classification is, uh, called uh, The O.C., which is Orange uh, County, yes. right? Ah, uh, yes. Yes. So in this uh-huh. one, uh, Scott from the Doofcast and We've Got Worm, uh, with his wife Elise, go through it episode by episode, summarizing it, and just also talking about their lives. And it's just a really enjoyable, chill podcast. Um, I I like to listen to it just when I'm, like, stressed out, I, I think. Mm. It, it's just... it's. It's a nice banter between a married couple that like each other about a show that's just like ridiculous <laughs> drama and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it's a good time. So that's my recommendation of this week. It, mm, what you say? An OC mm, podcast. What you say? <laughs> that's right. All right. If you like what we do here at Doof Media, consider donating a single dollar per month or whatever else you can afford. Uh, it's due to the generosity of our patrons that we're able to create shows like this. Patron dollars are what pays our hosting fees and how we were able to purchase this microphone and everything. Um, yeah. Uh, so to do that, you can go to patreon.com slash doofmedia and see all the patron rewards we have. At the $20 level, you uh, get to basically commission an episode of the Doofcast, one of our one of our variety media show. So if you want to basically have uh, Scott and... And and Matt and you could also request other people to to watch a thing. If you if you say in your your request that you want Clarence or or me on or anyone else, um, they will will organize that for sure. Uh, oh. So if you want to hear someone's perspective on a particular piece of media that you like, um, go ahead and and, and do that. Uh, after your your uh, first movie that you you then or your first selection, you then join the Council of Doof, which gets to decide one uh, Doofcast a month uh, collectively. Um, I think they're disgui- deciding that uh, for for this week right now. Hmm. Uh, I believe this week is going to be Mad Max Fury Road. I think that's what the vote looks like right now. Uh, and then after that uh, episode, uh, listeners of the Doofcast decide if that uh, piece of media deserves to go into the Doof canon as uh, part of one of the you know, greatest movies ever. So, uh, really, mm. really fun, really enjoyable. Is that I like the literary canon? Um, yeah, kind of. Basically, saying that it's a great show that is worthy of of looking at in the future. The uh, best uh. of a particular random genre, mm. um, oh. like not real genres. Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go listen to them. It's great. I love their discussion. They did um, Into the Spider Verse recently again, which was great. Um, mm. Anyway, <laughs> so. Um, if you want to let us know what you think of this, this podcast, uh, you can do that in the discussion thread on the Reddit. Uh, we also now have a Twitter. I don't know why I thought that we didn't need one. I guess just because it's this this going three months, and uh. then we'll have a new podcast probably. It, so I was like, might as well. Might we, yeah, we don't really need one, but no, it, we need one. So. Yeah, so that, <laughs> if you didn't already know, if you're wondering, if you didn't know that this episode was, was posted late, it was, uh, but we were able to announce it on our Twitter. So if you guys want to go follow that, it's um, at DecomposingPod. So lucky to have that. That's great. And if you just want to send us an email, mm-hmm. let us know what you think or uh, give us encouragement. Or if you want to send us a hate mail, I mean, don't, but if you wanted to, <laughs> the way to do that would be to send it to decomposingpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Also, I would like to say that that it's mm-hmm. it's really cool to like see you guys all excited and like thinking about things and discussing things and it's it's really fun to like see somebody who's just as excited. Yeah, and honestly, it was really surprising to see how much you guys like like 
uh, certain episodes. I, I was really afraid that people were going to like the Perspectives episode, but y'all did. So uh, yeah, that was super, yeah. super encouraging. Uh, as before, mm. uh, we won't be able to take, we won't be responding to your questions until the next overview episode, um, which is going to be over arcs 15 through 17. So you guys can start uh, leaving us your comments about those. Uh, you can leave us your questions for Clarence or your themes and theories for the perspective episode. So, uh, yeah, join us next week uh, as we cover um, arcs 9 through 14 over a variety of perspectives. Yeah, so many things to think about, so many things to pull from. I'm very excited about this one. 